tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. Our free phone number, it doesn't cost you anything to make a call and Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's show, we have reaction to our interview with Father Sheehy last Friday. Why bad weather might be good for you and how you can learn to love it, believe it or not. Also, temperatures in Europe have increased at more than twice the global average over the past uh, 30 years. And in light of the fact that uh, COP27 is happening as we speak, we'll be chatting to some listeners about that. We have global politics with uh, Tipperary's Thomas Conway. Why you shouldn't drink coffee first thing in the morning. What to do if your dog has a favourite and if it's not you, we'll be speaking to Fergal Keefe about travel. So all of that and much, much more on the way. And if that's not enough for you, we will play Tip FM's Match 3 game in association with the good friends at Stakelam's Home and Hardware. We'll be doing that a little later on in the programme. But do hang in there for the cute call where that is concerned. You can text and WhatsApp. 083 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. A quick look at the newspapers today, right across the newspapers' coverage of COP27 and uh, Taoiseach Michal Martin will be there today. Uh, Let's look at the examiner first of all, and they're leading with that story. Climate toll rises as uh, COP27 begins. And also 34 weeks to find social housing tenants. Councils are taking longer and spending more to find tenants for vacant social housing, can you believe? To the independent a state to pay €30,000 to every nursing home as costs soar. Nursing homes will be able to claim more than 30000 to help pay their soaring energy bills under a €10 million Euro government grant. Uh, on the Irish Daily Mail, tourist towns demand a plan for refugees. Ireland's tourist towns say they can't cope with another influx of Ukrainian refugees due to a chronic shortage of housing and risks to tourism as hotel beds are full. I was very sorry to uh, read in the Irish Daily Mail as well that Duran Duran's guitarist Andy Taylor is uh, dying of cancer. Very sad news uh, indeed. To the Irish Times... And they're leading with HSE to contact 100,000 victims of cyber attack. More than 100,000 people who have had their personal data stolen during the HSE cyber attack last year will uh, begin being contacted by the service in the coming weeks, the Irish Times has learned. And also, again, coverage of COP27 on the Times today. So that's a quick look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to comment on any of that, we'd love to hear from you. 1800 938 007. Now, we've had several complaints from our listeners lately about the state of Irish Rail. Many of our our listeners... Uh, speaking to us about their experience of people taking booked seats and the lack of seating available on board. Well, John Halley has been posting on Facebook about this recently and he joins me now. John, good morning to you. Good morning, How are you? I'm very well indeed, John, and good to talk to you today. Um, you visit Dublin frequently, whether it's for shows or for, for medical appointments. John, what what has your experience been? Yeah, I, I, um, I go to Dublin about maybe 
10, 12 times a year. And um, I have to go to the mat. And then I also, I try to take in a show in the Bull Gosh in the theatre. And um, we used to go and stay overnight, but the price of the hotels in Dublin went sky high. So what we do normally now is we will get the train from Torres and we will have our appointment in Dublin in the morning and then we'll go straight over through public transport to the Lewis um, suspensor docks and just walk over then to Borgosh. Mm. And we come home then, we get the Lewis from Spencer docks straight down to Houston, normally for the 6 o'clock train. Well, I'd say I've travelled the last six months um, probably four times the seats that we booked either going up or coming down have been uh, filled with people and twice in the last number of months I've had to have an argument with the people sitting on the seat and, and how did that go John when you confronted them that they were in well, your seat? Most people when you say to them look my name is on top of that there they get up and go but I had a uh, the, the second last time in Torres we got on the train and there was a two gentlemen sitting on our seat and um, I said to him that you know I said you're sitting on our seat mm. and the fellow on the outside had no kind of issue he just kind of got up and left but the guy in by the window he had the laptop open and uh, he just ignored me. Mm. And uh, I said to him, sorry, I said, you're sitting on our seat. And she said to me, I'm busy. Wow. And I said, like, oh, yeah. I said, but you're sitting on my seat. And next thing he looked at me and he said, can't you see? He says that I'm on the laptop. And I said, yeah. But I said, you're sitting on my seat. And eventually, we were nearly in Temple Moore at this stage. Still arguing. Eventually, he he slammed down the laptop and he got up and he said to me, he says, oh, here's your so-and-so seat. I won't use the word to use. And he walked down the train. Uh, Another incident then, I asked the person that was sitting on our seat that they were sitting on our seat and um, he told me, can't you find another one? And I said, no, I pre-booked him. I said, that's what pre-booking is about. Mm. And he said, sure, look, he says, there's loads of seats further down. And I said, no, I said, look, I said, we get conductor. But that's the problem with the problem. There is no... I travelled all this year, um, and I used the train. The train is great. Don't get me... You know, mm. It's great to get from Torres to Dublin on the train. Mm. It's just a pity that there's no real train stopping care that we can get on the training here for us here. It, w- it would be very handy, wouldn't it? I'm sure you only have to go in the road, like, yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but look, Torres is great. And mm. um, people say about Torres, you know, but Torres is great. And don't let that put off anyone. It's mm. great to be able to get the train service to Dublin. But like, only one this whole year have I seen a conductor. Of. And he went around clipping the tickets. I have not since then or before then being a conductor. That's you know? incredible, because I was going to ask you why you had to do the confrontation 
with somebody sitting on your seats, then it should be an official on the train, surely. Yeah, you don't want to be making a scene either in front no. of the whole carriage, like, you know, I mean, but these guys, and so it's not just guys, there's girls and boys, like, last Thursday evening now, a week, we left Spencer Docks. Uh, we were back from Jersey Boys at 5 o'clock, right? Mm. Spencer Docks, three hours Spencer Docks, get my Lewis, three hours to Houston. No stops, right? Just Nabby, you know, the usual stops, but you knew you'd be there for the yeah. 6 o'clock train. Yeah. But there was a big delay in the Lewis, and we made it with two minutes to six. Oh, well. <laughs> we weren't the only ones, there were people running as well. And, and, um, we we got the train eventually, got on the train at say six o'clock and the train was nearly leaving. And um we heard the whistle blowing while we were running down. But we got on and went down to my carriage. My carriage was in the and Liz and myself went down to the carriage and there was I was looking for now you know with my sight that I can't see small right. Mm, mm. So it was over the seat and um they said there's our seats there. And there was four people sitting in our seats. Uh, two across from and two. So the next thing was um, the two boys. Um, they were all young people. Two mm. boys, anyway. I just said to the boys, let's get our seats. Mm. And the two girls, one of the girls said, but there we should. And I said, no, there are seats. You can, you know, our mm. names are on them. Trains start to pull out at this stage. So next thing one of the boys says, can you not find another seat? And I said, listen here, I said. I said, I, I just, I didn't use it completely, but mm. I just said, listen here now, I said. I said, I'm retired. I said, I worked hard, I said, all my life. And I said, you only start nothing like I said, for the both time, I said, you guys realize that when you pre-book a seat, I said, it's for the person that pre-books it, not for you. And, and what, 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 was the, what was the reaction to that? <laughs> they looked at me. And they thought of that. I said, look, we get up and get out. Now, I went down to the toilet somewhere between Kildare and uh, Dublin, and two boys were there, right, mm. sitting on that space beside the toilet. Mm. on the floor. And I just came out with the title and I said to him, I said, did you actually book a ticket for this train? And what fella says to me, he was straight up, he said, no, he said, we just got on with the two girls. So they didn't book a ticket at all? No. And how did they get through the barriers in Dublin? I don't know. I, I can't figure that out. Because you're supposed to put in your... But then... When you put in the ticket into the barrier in Dublin, it stays open long enough so that two people could go through. It was like the old days, the matches and Dorlis, so you right. go through the yeah. side. And, um, yeah, they, they but, were trying to... But, but obviously then there was no conductor who checked their tickets at any portion of that trip. Oh, God. No. But even if they did, all you have to do is see them coming. You go into the tiles. <laughs> You'll have to forgive me, John, because I'm not familiar really with, with um, train uh, journeys at all. If you book a seat, is your name actually on something? Is yes, that... your name your name is on a little, over your seat, there's a small little place where it says John Halley, Elizabeth Halley, right? Right. Because I have to, Liz has to come with me because, and um, 
we 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 pre-book it. Right. So I will ring up a week before. So I know in advance. So just say for Joseph, I had to go. I knew that I was going to the matter last Thursday early. Mm. We're booked in, right? Mm. And um, we got on the train in Corris. There was no problem. Our seats were there. And um, we went to the matter. I have it down to a T now, friend. I nearly have it down to the last minute. Right. You know? Yeah. And it, we didn't, we come back from the matter. We get the, we might stop for a bite to eat halfway down O'Connell Street in Flanagan's there. Yeah. And then we just get on the Lewis and we go straight off into docks. We walk over to the Borgosh, come back, watch our show, come back. I've seen about 12 shows this year. Isn't that fantastic? Well, I've done that when I retired. Yes. I had, like, when I was working in the hospital, I was doing night shows and stuff like that. I could never get a chance to go to Dublin to see shows. Yeah. I've now, this year, I've seen everything from La Chicago, Jersey Boys, My Fair Lady. I've seen the whole lot. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. But But the only fly in the ointment is booking your seats and them being... I always, I know what day I'm going. So I can go ring a week in advance. I will book my seats. I will talk to the girl in the Dublin office. I have a down to a tea. And the next thing is I can get on my train in Turles. I know my car is safe in Turles because the person is there. You'll give you four euros for your parking or four fifty. You'll guarantee your car is safe. Yes. You went straight into Dublin. There's no hassle except when you get on the train. And another thing, friend, is hmm. this idea that they have closed. There's no food on the train anymore. Yes. Right? Yeah. So they don't even go around with snacks. So you have, like, you could have children. Now, I know it's this morning that they're, the, the rail has announced that they're bringing in a, from today for the Dublin to Cork route uh, one of these um, quite... That's, that's right, yeah. Pat had that during news, yeah. Yeah, but sir, who's going to monitor that? I, I don't know. That that occurred to me and that's why I wrote it down as a note to put it to you mm. as well. That's going to be interesting to yeah, see. The, they say it's self-control. I heard the girl on another station there before the news. Um, uh, the girl, Cregan, I think was her name. She's a PR for... Uh, Irish mm. like she said it could be self-monitoring <laughs> come on uh, what self-monitoring you know I, I mean know. you have fellas all around you like you, you have know. children shouts on phones you have, you have no, don't get me wrong I, I, I'm I, delighted that you know that to get to Dublin it's great yeah. but there are times when like they do need to start putting on conductors on the trains because there is abuse of the system. All right. Know? Well, John, we'll we'll see what uh, other reaction we get from listeners about this. But in the meantime, happy travelling to you. And thanks for coming on with me, John. That's a Thank you. Thank you. you. Bye-bye <laughs> to you now. That's uh, John Halley speaking to us this morning about his experience of uh, using uh, the train. 83 311 Fran, my son, is on a housing list in a temporary town. He's a lone parent uh, raising his two kids. Uh, he has the landlord from hell and is very proactive in trying to get a secure tenure uh, with the council. But because he's a man, he seems to be passed over constantly for council housing. So if the council has houses that they can't get tenants for, I'd have serious reservations about that, says B. And we're also hearing that that uh, black Angus Bullock that has been missing since last week is still missing from the Gertine Calais Temple Moor area. So if anybody can help us uh, with that, 083 311 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Lusser says uh, the conductor should have dealt with John's problem. If your name is on that seat, you're entitled to the seat. Well, that's the problem, you see. The conductor was missing in action and couldn't be found. So uh, that was the the issue there. So John had to do the confrontation himself. Uh, left Tullamore on Friday morning for Dublin bound. Um, no tickets checked until we got to Houston. Going up and down, hassle getting our seats. And they were pre-booked as well. Good luck to Irish Rail with uh, the quiet carriage. Yeah, a lot of people lambooning uh, that at the moment. Hi, Fran. Uh, talking about trains, the pay and display parking is gone at Limerick Junction. You can no longer pay at a machine. It all has to be done online on an app, as I have reason to park there on Saturday just to let people know. Um, not everybody might know how to go online, and that comes in from Bridget. Thank you for that, Bridget. And again, I didn't realise that that was uh, the case there. Um, this has happened several times while travelling on the train, Fred. Our name uh, on the digital board at the booked seat. A relative of mine, 83 years old, had challenged a young couple in the seat booked, but they were reluctant to uh, give it up and after several times asking them to move tut-tutting as if my relative had done something wrong where that is concerned so lots more coming in where that is concerned we'll go back to it in just a little while the visit of the Taoiseach Michal Martin to the county on Friday was like a well-kept secret indeed Uh, but he did come to the Premier for several engagements the Taoiseach spoke about issues that have been concerning the people of uh, Tipperary and news editor Sheila Nocton brings us this report On Friday Taoiseach Michal Martin visited and officially opened the new Thurless Primary Care Centre so it's been developed as part of the National Enhanced Community Care Programme or the ECC it's located on Mitchell's Street and the centre became operational in July of 2022 to a population of 16,207 people approximately. So this brings together St Mary's Healthcare Centre and the Primary Care Hub which is on the grounds of the Community Hospital of the Assumption. The Taoiseach addressed the media at the event. He began by complimenting the facility and also addressing questions on healthcare for the county as a whole. First of all to say that I've uh, had a fairly eventful day in Tipperary. Uh, we began in the college, Thomas College this morning. We're Mary Eyes, Mary Mecca College are doing teacher training here uh, and over 550 students. So Torlis is emerging as a significant centre for further and uh, higher education and we discussed future plans for expansion at the site um, and uh, it's quite interesting and quite exciting for, for, for the area. Um, and then we went to Stanix Housing Development where the Torlis Lines Trust are doing a fantastic project, uh, a project in both restoring very historic uh, housing um, settlement, if you like, or, or, or uh, village, uh, and adding new um, housing as well for senior citizens and for those who are vulnerable in terms of helping people back to independent living and working with the HSE and with the um, council. And this is about the fourth housing site I've been on this week, uh, which is illustrative of the increased momentum now in terms of housing and social housing in particular. Uh, and then we're at this fantastic primary care centre and what took me so much time was literally going to all the different services uh, from CAMS 
um, when it comes to chronic disease management, um, to a whole range of community support services, senior citizen support services, um, really very comprehensive service here now, and this will grow and expand in its future for healthcare, uh, where the services here will prevent a lot of people going into hospital um, and will deal with a lot of chronic disease issues out in the community, uh, means far more access for, for people to their health services. So this is a very big development um, for this region. Um, and it was good to meet the different teams uh, from uh, dentistry, as I say, across um, to, to the speech and language therapists who are doing a unique project here, which they've won an award for in terms of, um, I won't go into the details of it, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's around identifying a lot of conditions through the swallowing technique and the facilities they have, and it's mobile. So it's very, very uh, interesting and um, heartwarming to see this kind of development um, in Tipperary. We're obviously we're in Tipperary, so we're, lo- we're talking about uh, healthcare here. And while this is fantastic, this facility, we still have capacity issues at UH. They're asking people not to come to the ED over the last two weeks. UHL topping the list of people on trolleys. What's the long-term solution in Tipperary and the Midwest in terms of healthcare? The long-term solution is community and primary care, actually. Um, I don't mean that in any facetious way. That, that is the long-term future with, obviously, acute care and, and the right treatment in the right location. Prevention is very, very important. There's a lot we can do outside of hospitals, basically, that were done in hospitals historically. And a lot of what's going on in there in a previous era would be going on, would have been going on in hospitals. Uh, we do need to increase, continue to increase capacity in hospitals for those who need um, acute care at a tertiary level. Uh, we have done that. We've increased capacity. There is a significant overhang from COVID-19. That unfortunately is continuing um, because when people are identified in hospitals as having COVID, then your isolation um, has to come into play. A whole range of logistics has to happen, which basically reduces your capacity in the hospitals. Um, impacts upon the flow through the hospital. We just discussed in there with the home care service. This region seems to be doing very well on the home care package area. I think it was 400,000 um, the, the packages they organised from within here across the Midwest. That's vital in terms of both discharge from hospital and preventing people from going into hospital in the first uh, instance. So it's a, it's a we, we must stop sort of separating out the acute from the primary care system and the community enhanced, you know, the enhanced community care program, uh, because they're all integrated. Uh, the more we can do outside. The, 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 we, we reduce pressures on, on the hospitals um, and recruitment is continuing to be an issue we've recruited thousands of people but it continues to be an issue within health services globally and within Europe um, and it's very very competitive and we are recruiting on all fronts in respect of the various um, professionals uh, in, in, in the healthcare service He then discussed a number of local issues from the controversy surrounding the pool use in Temple Moor to the long-awaited flood relief measures for Thurless, which have been promised by Irish Water for 2029, which he admitted would benefit from being expediated. Yes, I met him earlier and um, updated me and briefed me on the situation there. I would like to see that we would work with the authorities to see can we resolve this. Um, it seems to be a classic case of... Um, different agencies maybe or different you know there needs to be people coming together here to sort of see can we work this out what is the problem i'm now being told it's an energy price increase issue well therefore if it's that surely we can bring the various forces together agencies together can we uh, collectively work to, to you know to reduce the impact of the energy price increases so as to keep a public facility open mm-hmm. um so 
uh, I will work on this now with, with, with the various agencies because it, I understand it's used extensively by children and by young people. Uh, we, we promote water safety. We want people to learn how to swim safely. Um, and so it's very regrettable that this has happened. I think for one particular agency, the cost may be too much to bear. So therefore the issue is can we share the burden across different agencies? And that, that would be my initial. Without, I need to get fully behind the, 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 the background situation here, but that's how I would look at this. And in terms of Irish Water, um, again, just two issues. I'll talk to Irish Water in terms of the timeline, because that is a fairly lengthy um, timeline, but invariably planning can prove, prove very problematic for flood protection um, schemes, and I've seen this at wastewater management, yeah. but again, that can equally be <laughs> subject to very significant planning issues, as I know, um, and uh, we will always seek to see can we accelerate that, uh, and uh, through proper consultation and work with Irish Water to see what we can do. In of course, one of the main talking points over the last number of months by councillors here in Tipperary has been the housing crisis. The Taoiseach told Tip FM that there were plans to examine the income thresholds for the county, as well as giving his party colleague Jackie Cahill some reassurance as he answered questions on candidates for the county in the next election. Well, first of all, I've met with our councillors this morning and this is a matter that has been kept under constant review in terms of increasing the income thresholds for social housing and the Minister is examining it um, with a view to hopefully having an outcome to that shortly um, because we do understand the issues and many people have made reps, you know, many public reps have, have raised this issue because people are raising it with them and we do understand the, the issues there um, and secondly we, we had three candidates the last time <laughs> now before Jackie gets a heart attack around it. <laughs> I'm not suggesting we want to have three again but he accommodated two candidates <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so, no, but we, we'll review all of that. We're, we're, our, our main focus actually is the local elections, and I would have met with, uh, with uh, people earlier on that front. So, we're looking for younger people in addition to the councillors we already have. We want them re elected, but then we're hoping to get younger people into politics, more women into politics. So, our focus in the f uh, early springtime will be on candidate selection around the local elections and the European elections. Uh, that's the focus for 2023. Finally, it was revealed in recent weeks that the retained firefighters locally are planning strike action. Michal Martin accepted this is something that needed proper discussion. I've spoken to the Minister about this and um, it's a very valuable service um, and we do have to uh, review this in terms of the future and in terms of how we deal with this service into the future uh, because it provides an invaluable backup. And, and it's a national phenomenon outside of the cities more or less so uh, we, have to, we have some work to do on that. And thus concludes the Taoiseach's visit to the Premier County in what could be his final visit here before he hands over his title to Leo Radker in the new year. Sheila Nocton for Tip FM News. Thanks for that, Sheila. All fun and games there with uh, Michal Martin last uh, Friday. Currently, of course, he's in Egypt for COP27. Uh, 1800 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie
Now, on Friday last, we spoke to Father Sean Sheehy about his fire and brimstone sermon in Listowel County Kerry. You got a massive reaction from our audience. Uh, in fact, even over the weekend, it uh, still was getting some reaction and uh, very much dividing our listeners as well. Let's hear a little from that interview. Can I bring you something from one of our listeners who says, uh, will you tell Father Sheehy that I have a gay son? I'm very upset for him to say that he will go to hell. As I, I know did my- not say that. Hold on now. Let me start your interruption right. I never said that. That is a total lie. I never said that a person who has a homosexual orientation will go to hell. I said repeatedly, the church right. has no problem with But if he has a gay relationship, if he has yeah, if, a, if a, a sexual I, relationship. I'm glad you said that. Yes. It's a sexual relationship that, that is the sin. Right. Not, the, not the orientation, it's the sexual relationship right. that's sinful. But, but if there's love between two people, whether it's man or woman or man and man, I mean, surely the cement of that is for to have a relationship that is sexual and that is loving. <laughs> so, so you're saying then that, you're saying then that love condones sin. Love, love never, love never condones sin. People don't seem to understand the whole reality of sin at all. I mean, even the science will tell you clearly that the whole idea of transgender, you know, is, is absolutely ridiculous because DNA says you're either a man or a woman, and that's it. There are only two genders. There's no such thing as transgender. No man can become a woman. No woman can become a man, and that's the reality. The point is, I'm not condemning the person. I'm condemning the action, and I'm condemning the action not because... Uh, I am uh, the judge. I'm condemning the action because it is contrary to the teaching of Jesus and his church. That's the reason. Are you in a lonely place now? You know what? Uh, I'm glad you asked. Actually, I'm not. I'm not. Actually, I'm not in a lonely place because you know what? I have received so much support from, from priests, from people who have identified themselves as seminarians, and also... From, from the lay people, the lay Catholics, mothers and fathers who are concerned about the world into which their children are, are moving. Why are, are, is this so powerful? Why, why is this dominating the culture, dominating the media, dominating the schools? You know, when a mother tells me, for example, that her, her little nine-year-old boy comes home and says, oh, Mommy, I learned in school today that I could become a girl. I mean, that's corruption. That's child abuse. Father Sean Sheehy from our chat uh, last Friday and joins me now. And good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Um, you're smiling. I can hear the smile in your voice. Uh, and <laughs> what, what, what do you make of uh, Father Sean? God, I can't, I can't believe it. I thought I'd heard it. I thought I'd heard it. And I was really hearing that again with something else. Do you know, I mean, he's crazy, isn't he? It does, uh, I mean, uh, where in the Bible, I know from a fa- for a fact that, and I'm uh, t- thinking about back in the years when I was young, I never heard of, of a gay person, and I never heard of any. So why was it not, if it was in the Bible, why weren't we hearing about it? Do you know what I mean? And Well, I suppose a lot of stuff wasn't spoken about back in our day, maybe, Anne. Maybe mm. that's it. No, I don't think. I think they're just bringing up this. The, the likes of him now has nothing else to do with his age, and he's decided that I'll, I'll start this ramp. So there's a guy there, and I was just on the Sunday world yesterday, um, a fella backing him up up in the north somewhere. Yeah. Uh, another priest backing him, saying, "Oh, he was he's right, like you know." Yeah, I mean, there's but, a there's a lot of people that would support the fact that he spoke out like this. Does that surprise you, Anne? 
It does surprise me now in this day and age, yes, of course. But why would you, why, I mean, why would you make your child uh, be something that they're not? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Why would you restrict your children? I mean, they're doing worse. I mean, he came out the other day with this stupid thing, and um, I'm glad I'm not cursing anymore, friend. Um, <laughs> did you, you, you feel like using oh, God, naughty yeah, language? You did. Some yeah. very, uh, <laughs> very good ones now at the moment. But he, he came out with this thing the other day saying that, um, that you know, we said like... He, oh, I'm not getting mixed up now, Frank. No Sorry. problem, man. You take no, your time, no. Dose. Take your time. Um, no problem. Oh, he's he's just reminding me now again today. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, we'll go away from that for a minute. Yeah, now. and what about the people? I what? want to congratulate you on on your on your interview ah, that day, anyway, because thank I'm not joking. You, I I stood in the kitchen and I laughed when you were sitting. But the man he was involved with. Well, I, did, I, did, I really didn't mean to be facetious to him, but he said he had been in love and uh, he, I know. he got a bit annoyed about that, but, you know. I, um, well, what, I what about... brilliant because I thought maybe that's why he had this thing against gays, because he loved one and he left him or something, you know, that way. Yeah, I thought, yeah. You know, well, he he this? confirmed that that wasn't the case, but uh, oh, I know. And what know. what do you make of you know a lot of people over the weekend saying, but the man is only saying what is the core beliefs of the Catholic Church and whatever about Christianity uh, outside of Catholicism. Forget about the Catholic Church. Catholic Church is nearly over, Fred. Do you think so, Anne? Oh my God, Almighty! And they're only making it worse for themselves, like. Yeah. Do you know, I mean, I, our teachings were so different back in the day, do you know? And, and I remember missioners coming to, to, to the church of Oven Tour, and they literally, and they were actually doing it. They were actually beating the pulpit. They were, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Banging it and shouting and screaming at people. Yeah, the missions, yeah. Yes. And, they, and then they'd go away, and you, you were supposed to accept everything they said like. Or should they go away and we'd all be running to confession then to try and sort of Look, I went gain salvation? In Dublin one time and it was a month since I'd been to confession and the priest attacked me and I said a month. He attacked you? He attacked me. How dare I leave it that long? How dare I? And I, I, I was about 15. So, and I walked out. I just stood up and walked out and left him there. You know. My God. And what, I, about, yeah. what about the way that women... Have been treated in the church, and do you feel strongly about that? I do you know something. The church to me is only, a, oh, it is only a, a gimmick, really, for for money. It's all money with them, and they've treated women like like lepers. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, a lot so of people really still, have. a lot of people would still find solace in in the church and in prayer. And I went into it. I was went into a local church one day I was passing the by and I just for whatever reason I had I went in because the door was open mm. and there was two women inside cleaning and I just wanted to say a prayer mm. doors wide open so um, I went to kneel down they asked me what was I, what was I up to you know what were you up to? Yes, in a church. what was I doing there at all? There's, uh, you know, I had no business there at that, t- at that time of the day. It was present Sunday, and I'm sure what I mean. I just wanted to say a prayer. I just wanted a bit of salad, you know. 
But you're sure yeah. God's house should be open to you too. God's house, God's house, it is supposed to be God's house, but it's not. And we all know that. We all know that, friend, because they all, all these churches, I mean, God almighty, the amount of money just goes into them. And the house, the houses the priests have, they have a housekeeper. They have a three-bedroom house. And, they're, and you have people sleeping on the streets. Well, I think some of the housekeepers now are no longer in, in situ, and I think maybe some of that has has changed. And would you forgive me if I... Now, you needn't tell me, but can I ask okay. you where you are with the church at the moment? I mean, are you a mass goer, right? Now, you don't no, have to answer I'm me. No, I'm not. Yet. Are you I not? Was, I was actually at a, at a film of the other day, and it was the nicest mass I'd ever heard. Right. And when I came out, when I came away from the graveyard, I actually went into the church to meet the priest. It's a young man, and I said to him, I said, if anyone can ever could entice me back into a church for Mass, it would be you. I said, that has to be the nicest Mass I've ever heard in my what life. What a great compliment to it. It was absolutely the most beautiful Mass. No stupid, stupid old ceremony things. And, you know, usually at funerals they're going on about, oh, we'll forgive him his sins or her sins, mm. you know, this mm. kind of thing. Yeah. And that yeah. wasn't said. I was actually listening for all this thing. Yeah. And none of that. And this man was so, oh, my God, he actually would now. Was a compassionate he, and... Yes. Yes. And, yeah. and, and also had a bit of humour. Yeah, yeah, of course. He had humour, you know, in, his, in himself. And he actually, you know, I mean, everyone enjoyed the Mass so much. It was beautiful. But I said that to him. And I haven't been going to Mass, no. And the reason I don't go to Mass, friend, is for the sermon. I couldn't. Now, imagine being in that church in Kilkenny or in Kerry the other day. I swear to God, I wouldn't have walked out. I'd have, I'd have had to have a go at him. Would, would you I have confronted him? Oh, I would have. Yeah. Oh, I would have, yeah. Now, I could not possibly have walked out. The, no. the only thing I would say to you is that mm. it is the Catholic belief, Anne, that it's grand to be homosexual, as far as they're concerned, yeah. so long as there's not a sexual relationship. Now, That's a little bit shy. Yeah. Very yeah. That's a lot of cobblers now. Yeah. I mean, what kind of a relationship hasn't got a sexual relationship? Yeah. Well, that's 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 the and thing. And that's isn't not. It, yeah? I never. I, I I'd love to see the Bible he's reading, or is he have to write one himself? No, well, you see, no. what he's quoting from is, and, uh, you know, I did a sort of a crash course in the Bible last week. What he's co- quoting from is like Genesis and stuff, and it does mention yeah. about homosexuality being. Wrong and evil, and and that is actually in the Bible. Well, I didn't. I didn't. As I said, I haven't seen that now. Yeah. I think in this day and age, and they have come a long way. The church has come a long way in different things, like the yes. Matthews and to 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 English and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it has come a long way in that way. But at yeah. the same time, I can't. I can't ever. You know. I mean, if that was in the Bible, surely to God. Uh, in my 73 years I'd have seen it or heard of it or something. Do you know what I mean? Would you stay with me, Anne, for a moment because Pat is joining us for the conversation as well. Pat, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Pat, and thanks for coming on with us this morning. You weren't all that impressed with Father Sean either? No, I wasn't, uh, friend. Um, he's he's uh, He was a, a, a biggest, is what, what I would say about him because yeah. for the simple reason is that once he got the free reign to say mass on, on, the, on the Saturday night and Sunday morning, he let loose um, uh, as regards his own ideas 
um, which I thought were very, very strange. And, um, now, I put that to him, uh, Pat, because I was wondering about that. And I said, you know, was this premeditated in some way? Did you realise that this would hit the headlines? And he said, no, that he was doing the normal kind of a sermon and the normal homily that, that he would do. You you don't accept that, though? I don't accept that, no. I think that he got a bee in his bonnet and, uh, and he let loose. Um, he, he, it was his only opportunity since he was removed from the, from his ministry. Uh, when he stood up for the, the convicted rapist down in the same the same parish, the sex offender, yeah, mm. you know, the sex yeah. offender. And the thing about it was, uh, what he even said after that, uh, he 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 he, was, he looked as if he was even anti-woman, because he 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 made an aspersion about the the lady, the, uh, sing, the single the mother, yes, yeah. you know, that she was a single mother, and that says, speaks enough about her. You know what I mean? And this this was a poorly uh, thing to do, but like. They stole, uh, I remember a, a, a thing about, on tele, it was on television one night, that there was a, um, to tell you, to, when you're talking about uh, how far the church has come or how far the church was so back, that uh, if a person committed uh, suicide and the poor victim was, was, was going to be buried or whatever the case would be, any of the churches wouldn't allow the body in. That's right, yeah. Uh, to the church. That's right, because and, uh, he had commi- who, whoever had taken their own life was seen to have life. committed a mortal sin. sin. Yes. You know, and, and, and the, the thing about it is, like, down in Kerry, there was there was a, a poor girl about 75, 76 years ago, and uh, she was pregnant, and she was very well advanced, and uh, she went to two hospitals in Kerry mm. and was not admitted. Mm. She subsequently right. died. She did. She did. And the, and the, and the, the priest uh, that day wouldn't allow the, the body into the church in case this door. This is the same church that this priest had his homily from. So you're you're saying that in some aspects of the church we've come an awful long way from that. We've come an awful long way from that. But what he has done, Dennis, is after bringing the whole thing back to the old days. You know, I remember in the 60s when when, when I was young and my mother was going to Mass, she had to have a mantilla in her head. That's right. And, you know, and women had to have that. And and women were in one half of the church and men were in another half of the church. Another half of the church. Women went to one side, women went to the other side. Yeah. like we've come an awful long way from that, and to find out that that, that uh, this priest goes up or goes up on the altar and gives a homily and speaking down and condemning a certain uh, portion of our of our society. Now we've come to accept uh, gays, uh, homosexuals, uh, lesbians, whatever the case may be, transgender. We've come to accept those as, and they are very very nice people. Mm. Uh, but when you speak to them, they're, they're of course, but they're human beings, yes, of course. Yes, they're yes. lovely human beings. And the thing about it is, like what he's done there is he's uh, uh, categorised those as sinners, even as far as the, 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 the tarnished of the, of the country. Mm. So uh, he's, he's, he's going to hell, yeah. No, and... But Pat, can I put it to you, and I put this to Anne as well, um, I, I'm estimating this, and I could be underestimating it, but at least 60% of the people who made contact with us following Father Sean Sheehy's homily were in agreement with him and said, here is a priest who is coming out and without fear telling it how it is as far as we're concerned. This is the genuine teaching of the Catholic Church. Anything else is a la carte. Okay. I know I'm, I know. you mentioned the part of the Bible there that sodomy was, was uh, a sin. Yeah. And, uh, that is in the Bible. I think to this stage that the Bible should be rewritten again and brought up to, up to modern days. Uh, I also heard your previous listener, our previous uh, contributor there, and, and saying yeah. that, that uh, she remembers the, the time when, when um, 
the missions were coming to town mm-hmm. and coming to the villages. And those missions, priests were up there and they were given fire and brimstone mm. that we were all going to go to hell, okay. irrespective. There was no mention of, of, of gays or sexuality or whatever the case would be. But uh, uh, this was uh, the fire and brimstone. Now, he went up on the altar and he was effectively gay bashing. As simple as that. So, uh, to me, that was uh, uh, definitely bordering on hatred. Now, he, he would disagree, and uh, you know I'm trying to put balance in here, Pat, as you can imagine. He would disagree with you profoundly on that and would say that, you know, there was no hatred involved at all. It's a case of love the sinner, but not the sin as he would see it. OK, right. He has that, he has that impression built into his mind that nobody going to change that good, bad, or indifferent, right? And they're not going to make allowances for his age either. Because uh, <laughs> and that would be, as me, bashing older people right. because he's not capable of doing it. No, I'm not saying that. I'm, what I'm saying is that he ostracised a section of our community because they were sinners. Like, there's no gay person that that, that is not, uh, how would I call it, is not without a relationship of mm. some sort or other. Right? So every gay he saw are sinners because they do uh, carry out the sexual practice between between mm. gays, whatever it is, between a man and a woman, or a woman and a, a, a woman, whatever yes. uh, the case may be. Now, what I, what I would say is that, that 40 people got up in that church and walked out. I have never seen at a mass people standing up and walking out because of a, a homily given by a priest. Yeah. And there's some very, very good priests out there. And there Anne, a, if I can bring you back in on, on, on yeah. that, there was a very interesting piece in one of the newspapers over the weekend that I was reading, and they were saying, OK, it's grand, 30 people in the stall got up and walked out. But years ago, when the church was making so little of women, when the whole issue of the Magdalene laundries, when, when all the awfulness of the sexual abuse, why didn't people get up and walk out then? Exactly, exactly. People weren't, people weren't strong enough back in the day. They were browbeaten. You know, I don't know did I, did I ever say this. Um, <clears throat> it was about my father met Pauline, right? God bless and him. Had, <laughs> <laughs> and his brother, they both were just... They were up up and halfway up Keeper Hill, you see, where oh, I and see. the girls had only bicycles, so they had them well seen before they got near them, you know. Right. So, so they couldn't catch them, you see. Right. And my mother and her sister-in-law, my uncle's wife, went into confession on the Sunday morning, anyhow, and they were asked, you know, whatever, I can't remember now, you know, so long ago. Mm. And so, um, my, and then the priest would say, and does your mother, or does your husband make 14? Right? Yes. What was that for? I, 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 I don't know. Going, unless he was going to tell the cops. That was all that was about. And my mother would be in the position then, oh, you can't tell a lie because none of your sins are forgiven. So what does she supposed to say? Do you know what I mean? I know, but the the, the confessional <laughs> is supposed to be sacrosanct. I mean, he's, he's, be, yeah, but yeah. why was he asking it? Why did he come up with that question? Was he like Was he like Father Brown? He was doing a little bit of investigation work. Was he? <laughs> no, I'm just saying they ruled they ruled the whole country. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. he probably had a greyhound and he wanted to put a rope. Just say that again, Pat. He probably had a greyhound. <laughs> oh, you old silly <laughs> cuba! What, what happened recently in Creesna, above in Donegal, yes. and the father, father Duffy, I think is his name. Yeah, he oh, was remarkable about it all, wasn't he? He was, he was the real priest the that real we priest. remember. Yeah. You know, it 
considered compassionate. Yeah. Uh, and it's still, he spoke the, the, as, as late as this weekend that the people are hurting a month afterwards, like the month mine masses are coming up, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And yeah. Like, he was a genuine priest. And there is, we shouldn't be bashing all Catholic priests, good battles. There is a whole pile of priests out there that are. Uh, Absolutely. You know, and I'm delighted you said that, Pat, because some of the finest people I know would be priests, to be honest with you, you know. <laughs> talking there about that priest um, the other day. Yes. I said, and I'm not joking, you know, he, he, would, he would actually, you know, I mean, he would go in and sit down and listen to him. He was the nicest person I ever heard. Of course. Well, and look, I, I must I must leave it, I must leave it there, Pat and Anne. Thank you very much. And there's no chance of a bottle of poutine, is there? No, <laughs> 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 Good morning to you both, and thanks very much to Anne and Pat. News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to the second hour of tip today, 1800 938 007, our free phone number. You can speak to Emma. It won't cost you anything to make that call. You can text on WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Listening to your debate this morning, Fran, it's very interesting. Father Sean didn't single out homosexual people as sinners. It's the media that has done this. Father Sean said, we are all sinners. Indeed, he did say that to me on Friday as well. It's interesting, though, that he's not allowed to say public mass uh, anymore. Now, as he told me on Friday, he says uh, private mass, and uh, that's fine. Um, But, you know, while he's been taken, the gig has been taken off him, so to speak, I mean, the church has to come out and, you know, disagreed with the core of what he said. I mean, the the church hasn't come out and said, you know, it's okay for sexual, uh, for gay people to, to act on their relationships and to have a sexual relationship. They haven't come out and endorsed birth control, which is something else that he hit out at. They haven't said that uh, the result of the gay uh, marriage referendum was a good thing. They're obviously against uh, abortion. So, you know, you, you'd wonder really, you know, at, at the core of the belief, did he say exactly what the belief is? Now, he might have said it in some sort of a, a fashion that wasn't palatable. But anyway, just to, for discussion, let me put that back out there and see what you think. 83 311 Now, it's a damp, dark, uh, foggy morning here in uh, Tipperary. But what have we learned to love bad weather? What if the blustery winds and driving rain and uh, low temperatures were a tonic for the body and soul? Well, according to scientific research and holistic health experts, that could be true. Holistic energy expert Antonia Harmon joins me now. Antonia, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today. How can we love bad weather, Antonia? Because we all came into the office this morning and we were whinging and giving out and saying it was cold and miserable. How can we embrace that? Do you know what? Bad weather is actually good for you. There, there are something. There's something known, known as electron donors. So basically, you got energy from particular things. One of them is sunshine, which we all know about. But actually, rain and moving water makes you feel better. It makes you feel energized, which is why when you have a shower, you feel so good. Mm. Wind's not so good for you because that's an electron stealer. But certainly, the rain is is brilliant for you. All getting into the elements in general. 
And you're advising us to get out there into the elements, whether it's windy or wet or whatever, because it's so good for us. It's good for you. You know, it it blows out the cobwebs and makes us feel alive. You know, I I think we can get quite stuck in our central heatings and warm environments. Mm. And actually having a bit of a walk outside and getting out getting outside in general does make us feel much better walking is wonderful for us you know just moving otherwise we can get a bit stagnated yeah it's interesting because i'm a bit of a couch potato as my listeners uh, would know antonia but if i were to walk i actually do enjoy walking in the rain and i was never quite sure why but obviously you're making that clear to me now yes electron donors i mean it is it is wise to while you either go one way or the other either embrace it you're going to get wet and enjoy the rain or do wear appropriate clothing mm. you know one way or the other either dance in the rain and just you know be free or just make sure you're wearing something which means you won't be soaked if that's not what you're feeling today mm. <laughs> but you are saying maybe from time to time don't even take an umbrella with you yes i think that's wonderful you know that rain that natural water coming down you does as I said, it's an electron donor and makes you feel much better. It's rejuvenating to you. It's the same way like a shower is in the morning. It mm. wakes you up, whereas a bath, still, um, stagnated or still water, is actually an electron stealer. So we want to be out in the rain in, in running water, which is why you have a bath and you feel a bit tired afterwards. It's the heat, but it's also because it's an electron stealer. So being outside, getting some, some air, getting some rain, it's actually very, very good for your mind. It calms you down. It can fill you. It can make you feel more at peace and happier, as well as moving and all the benefits of exercise that come from having a walk. You're selling this very well indeed. Um, <laughs> what about, you know that lovely smell that is there after, or am I losing my mind, but isn't there a smell there after um, a, a bout of rain that's just fresh and gorgeous? There is. And we've also got pink noise as well, which comes from rain, which is the pitter-patter of rain. Ah. It is, yes, it's actually soothing to us, you know. Mm. I mean, that's why we've got all these different CDs or, or various different apps that you can get, which has the sound of rain as something to help you in, to help induce sleep. And it's actually very soothing for you. And obviously the smell of rain is very good for you. It just, it just smells fresh. And that's because you've got all these electrons which are in the air as well. It's actually alive. You know, we have electrical storms. There is actually energy and electrons within the air when we've had a storm. Something we touched on a couple of months ago as well is this notion of forest bathing, you know, where we spend time in our forest. But particularly, I suppose, if the weather was bad, would that add to that experience in some way? Yes. We've got the negative ions as well, which we get um, from being in the forest. Well, we know we always feel good when we're grounded, you know, just by walking on the beach or walking barefoot in the grass. The same happens in forests as well, which is a Japanese term. It just means having a walk in the woods. Mm. But you actually feel so much calmer, so much more connected, so much more at peace when you go and get outside in the woods, be it rain or, or, nice, uh, or you know, sunny as it's climb. Mm, yeah. And what about cold in terms of boosting the brain function? I, I read some report on that at one stage or other. Yes, it can certainly do that and also can help your immune system. Anything which you are, um, anything where you feel calm and connected and happier will actually boost your immune system and make you feel better. So it's definitely worth it. I know it's easy to to be a couch potato. And when you're looking outside, we've got 60 miles an hour winds where I am in Cornwall today, you know, so maybe not 
go outside in that weather quite, but certainly now it's drizzly and rainy and I'm going to go for a walk in a minute and go and enjoy. Very good. Well, you're in a beautiful part of the world, that's for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, that's for certain. Um, And that notion that we'll catch cold if we go out in the wind and rain, what what about that? Yeah, I think that's nonsense, to be honest. What causes you to have a um, a cold is a virus. (laughs) So you can't catch a virus from the air. So um, you have to actually be exposed to a virus, to a pathogen, to be able to get a cold or a, cold or a cough. So actually just being cold isn't really it. That doesn't really make any sense. I don't know why we've been told that. It's sort of an old wives' tale. You have to be exposed to a virus. I mean, if you are, you know, sort of coming down with something, then it, it could um, make it worse, I suppose. It could exacerbate it. But you can't intrinsically catch a cold from being cold. It doesn't make any sense medically. Well, the weather uh, today in Tipperary, Antonia, is an exact backdrop for our conversation. So your advice to people today, if they have some time, would be get out in it, I suppose. Get out in it. Definitely get out. It blows the cobwebs out. It makes you feel alive. It makes you feel happier. Who doesn't want that? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I'll go for that, Antonia. Thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. That's Antonia Harmon there, who is a, a holistic energy expert. So get out and walk in the rain and the wind and uh, stuff. Um, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 0833-113311. Once upon a time, women had to be cleansed before they went back to Mass after having a baby friend. Crazy stuff. That comes up time and time again on the programme. It was mentioned a few times on Friday last. Any, Any of the women listening to us today had to go through that. I'd love to chat to you, if you wouldn't mind talking to me about that. Were you cleansed after birth? Um, I'd, I'd love to hear your your experience of that. 1800-938-007. The church has not ostracised these people. They've done it themselves, Fran, and they know that. Maybe if we had a few more Father She's uh, our churchgoers will be better informed and less confused and not the a la carte faith that's apparently the norm now, says Mary on 083 I'm not sure if these people have ostracised themselves. Many gay people that I know of would like to be embraced by the church and indeed they're still hung on to their faith Um you know, through very tough times. But uh, you might disagree with me on that. Um, Fran, I was shocked. Uh, let me just find this again. My my computer is jumping all over the place uh, this morning. Um, okay, what I'll do is I will find it for you and I will bring it to you after break. We'll take a break. I'll be right back. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, lots of people making the same point as Anne-Marie, and Anne-Marie says, I was shocked to hear that, and she uses a rather derogatory uh, term for Father She um, that calls himself a priest. What about all the priests who sexually abused boys and young girls to the, in the children's homes over the years and got away with it? Pity he didn't preach about that on his altar. That's in from Anne-Marie and lots into us talking about that today. Now, I did put that to him on Friday and in fairness he came out and said it was an abomination. It was tragic. It was dreadful and he, he was very strong uh, about that, in fairness. Now, he didn't preach about that in in the particular homily 
um, that is the one that's the cause of such uh, controversy. But uh, there you go. Um, that woman is talking out of both sides of her mouth. This is Anne, who spoke to me earlier on. Um, she's giving out about the church and then saying how good a funeral mass was the other day. I'm a 36-year-old man who is a practicing Catholic and a mass goer. I'm looking forward to the day when about 2% of the population are real Catholics and the rest can go and do your own thing. Obviously, he's just short of saying go to hell. But uh, anyway, I'm, I, look, you know, I'm delighted about your certainty in your faith and your certainty in uh, everything. Um, but I, I'd like to put it to you that uh, Father Roy Donovan, the um, head of the Association of Catholic Priests, spoke to me on, I think, was it last Thursday? I, mean, I think it was Thursday. And he said to me that he disagreed completely with what it was that Father Sheehy was, was saying. And he's representative of the largest number of Catholic priests in the country. So, you know, how do you feel about that, I wonder? 083 311 Now, COP27 is underway in Egypt, and we've been reading recently that uh, temperatures in Europe have increased at more than twice the global average over the past 30 years, more than anywhere in the world. That's according to the World Meteorological Organization. Exceptional heat, wildfires, floods and other climate change impacts will, of course, affect society and economies and ecosystems and all of that. Well, one of our listeners, Paulina, uh, joins me now. Paulina, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you doing? I, I'm very well, Paulina, and it's always good to talk to you. You you accept, Paulina, because some people don't, you accept that global warming is a huge issue. I do, and I see the consequences of it already. I actually feel it on my own skin. Tell, tell me about that. So I travel a lot uh, around Europe. You know, we work with various uh, corporates and events, so we travel all the time around Europe, and I really do see a difference this time of the year, uh, sometimes in Central and Eastern Europe, you would even have snow lying around. Mm. There would be uh, temperatures below zero. Now you have 14 degrees. If you go to Berlin, if you go to Warsaw. Um, so I definitely see it and I feel it. And, it. and it's not a joke. And if you talk, you know, if we talk to older people as well, our grandparents, even in Ireland, they will tell you it was completely different just a few years back. Well, I remember driving. I used to do a lot of driving in the in the music business back in the eighties, Paulina. And I remember nights during the winter time, you could barely keep a car on the road. It was so frosty, and the surface would be just so slippy. All that has stopped. Yeah, absolutely. And so the warmer temperatures, I think, it's something that all of us can see because not everybody was believing in climate change. Climate change has been on the agenda for 100 years. People have been talking about it and we were kind of waiting for mm. real kind of consequences that we could feel on our skin. But now I really do think a lot of people see it. So I suppose the big question then, Pauline, is doing something about it and that big talking shop in Egypt is happening over these weeks, uh, COP27. But what concerns an awful lot of people is that it's just a talking shop. And it is a little bit because last year they had a conference in Glasgow and yeah. from uh, 190 countries that had agreed to lower their carbon dioxide, only 23, from what I was reading, only 23 gave uh, the, the required documents. So 190 said they're going to do something, they're going to have more ambitious goals. Only 20, 23 actually even supplied the documents. Australia is doing very well. Indonesia, Egypt is not doing so bad. But, 
you know, if these countries, if these um, governments are actually saying, yes, we will do something about it, then I think us as a society should hold them accountable. There is the big social issues surrounding this. And, you know, the the sad part about it is that the whole conversation in this country often comes down to sods of turf instead of looking at the, the bigger picture, Paulina. What, what do you think of the conversation we have here about climate change? Well, you know, when I was actually Googling this morning, seeing what are the three major sources of greenhouse gases uh, emissions in Ireland, it actually, number one, is emissions from large companies. Mm. So I think us, we should talk about that first and mm. foremost. Because the companies and um, the enterprises, they are polluting. And of course, we do want to attract investment and it's all about economic development and people want to have a job. But at the same time, if the pollutions are coming from these large companies and enterprises, we should really, I think the conversation in our society should start from there. I think so too, because I know that, I mean, if you're struggling um to, to have a few bob and you're putting down a sod of turf that's frowned upon now you could be fined for it, you could be sent to jail for it God knows, mm-hmm. but you look above you and there's planes flying back and forth all of the time completely polluting the atmosphere It is, absolutely so we still have to we have so much to figure out so number one, it's, it's really the large companies, then small businesses and farms, and obviously from homes as well like you're saying, from heating but yes. number one, it is large companies still Right, and as you say, because we need their investment from an economic point of view, um, there's little that can be done, I suppose, there, is there? I think it's all about policy change, and obviously these events like the one coming up in Egypt, it's really, really good to talk to different countries, benchmark, share information, see how other countries are doing. But, for example, Australia um, is doing very well. They really do have ambitious goals. We should all kind of look at at what they're doing. I think it's about leadership as well. If one can do it, then Mm. there might be peer pressure, I suppose, for other countries to do it. But it has to be about policy change, really. I mean, you and me living in our homes, we want to put food on our table. We need to warm our houses. For us, global warming, yes, of course. but, um, But these basic needs have to be met, right? First and foremost. Of course, yes. And just transition has to happen, Paulina. Absolutely. You know, it should be unfair on on the the poorest of our society to pay a price for this in some way. And it always is in that case. And and I was also reading somewhere that, that, um, you know, middle class is disappearing. Mm. But it is the basis of a well-functioning society, large middle class. But unfortunately, it's now disappearing. But but, uh, one of the really interesting facts as as well about global warming in Ireland is that they predict by 2041 and the temperatures will be um, rising by two degrees. But also they predict something might be underwater. So this is a huge deal for us in Ireland. It's incredible. And even with all the good intentions over the past while, there's actually been an increase in in outputs of CO2. Like, I find that incredible. Absolutely. And, it's, and as I said, if you look at it, it's emissions from large companies, number one. Yes. Um, interesting to read as well. Just in case people are still unsure about this, I mean, the eight years since 2015, Paulina, are likely to be the eight warmest years on record and the impacts of global warming are becoming more pronounced and the glacier melt records were shattered in the European Alps with an average loss of three to four metres of ice thickness throughout the mountain range. This is very real. This is visual now. We can see this happening. 
This is visual. People can see pictures. People can actually Google before and after of various glaciers. It is pretty scary when you see the difference. And even, you know, when you talk to people like um, David Attenborough or mm. see his um, you know, TV programs where he talks about his trips to, to these um, regions, Antarctica and other regions like that, he really saw, first and foremost, the, the changes, the disappearance. Mm. And now... One of, one of our listeners on, Paulina, to take you to task and say that you've already um, said yourself that you travel around Europe. And what about Paulina causing pollution with her carbon footprint? Do you, Absolutely. Do you, want, do you want to take Absolutely. that, Paulina? Yeah. Absolutely, you know. And there are various programs, actually, where you can plant trees and you can choose airlines that are more... Um, that actually have uh, policies around flying airplanes and they actually give more to the uh, environment. But obviously when you need to go somewhere, you go onto the plane and you go somewhere. I try to actually lower my carbon footprint in various other areas, but when I need to travel somewhere, I need to travel somewhere, right? right. So it is very difficult. Right, I'm not but, going to lie. Right, but you try and find a balance in that in some way. Absolutely. Yes. For example, I don't own a car. So I travel on public transport a lot, on trains, on. So that is my conscious decision not to own a car, for example. So so that I can take a public transportation wherever I can. But again, when it comes to airplanes, I need to fly somewhere. I need to fly somewhere, right? Right. And 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 guess what? All of the global leaders flew to Egypt for for COP twenty seven. So there there you go on that. Yeah. Could could I just ask you before I leave you go, Paulina? You mentioned public transport, and we're constantly debating it. And we were talking about it earlier on this morning as well. Uh, with your experience of other countries, um, public transport in Ireland. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, it's okay, right? Yeah. It's okay. It's absolutely non-existence in smaller uh, cities, smaller towns. Mm. Um, and that is the big problem because I lived in Dublin for a few years and there was no problem. There was no problem to move around Dublin. Mm. The problem is when you come home to Cashel, when you go to Clamell, when you want to move around. And I remember a few years ago there was a bus. There was a bus from Cashel to Clamell. There was even a bus from from Cashel to Cork and to Dublin. Mm. Now there's less of them. Uh, so, yeah, the big problem is smaller towns and cities where you actually see a family home and five cars standing outside because everybody needs to have a car to move around. You must have been peeping in at my house lately. <laughs> <laughs> but it's everybody's house, know, you know? know. When my parents, when we were growing up, we had one family car. Yeah. One family car, that was it. And now everybody has a car except me, which is um, which is weird. My, my parents laugh at me, but hey, <laughs> I try. Absolutely. Paulina, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you for your time and safe travel. Thank you, Paulina. Bye Thank, bye you, bye bye. Thank you, Fran. 1800 Fran, I went for a walk on Saturday morning in the rain with the proper rain gear and I just loved it. And some of the walkway was flooded with about six inches of rain, but I walked right through it and I loved every minute of the walk. Well, as I was saying to Antonia, I'm a couch potato. I don't like walking, but if I were to walk, I love to walk in the rain for some reason or other. Uh, let's take a break. We'll talk global politics in just a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. 
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie And uh, you're very welcome back to Tip Today. It's time for our global politics segment. As usual, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Tipperary politics and economics student Thomas Conway. Good morning to you, Thomas. Good morning, Fran. And good to see you. I suppose we have to kick off with the US midterm elections. Um, Yeah, what should we know about it? Yeah, well, there is an awful lot to know, is the first thing. We, we should remember the second Tuesday in November, it can only mean one thing, the yep. US, a US election. It's often regarded as a referendum on the incumbent president when it occurs in the middle of the two-year terms, and that's where it derives its name from. You have elections to Congress every two years, but when they occur in the middle of a presidential term of office, mm. they're called the midterms. Right. But so it, it rarely works out for the president's party. Rarely works out. Rarely yeah. works out. They generally lose seats. They generally perform poorly in the midterms. And yeah. Joe Biden will be acutely aware of that. But just to, I suppose, outline what's at stake and mm. give an overview. So elections to the US Congress, as I said, takes place every two years. The Congress consists of two chambers, the House of Representatives, which has 435 members, and the Senate, with 100 members. Now, representatives to the House actually have to stand for election every two years, so all 435 seats are up for grabs. You know, it's a pretty hectic schedule for them. Yeah, Yeah, uh, it really is. Senators, on the other hand, you have two from every state. They sit for six-year terms. So on this occasion, you have one-third of the seats, slightly more than one-third, 35 Senate seats up for grabs. And it is those Senate seats that will prove particularly interesting, I think, tomorrow. Most of the House contests are relatively predictable. Maybe a few surprises will emerge here and there. But I've decided this morning to focus on a couple of a couple of Senate races which are really drawing huge media attention. Mm. And, and they I, might be some of the names we might know maybe this side of the pond as well in some cases. Indeed, yeah, indeed. Yeah. And I think the place to start is Pennsylvania mm. because you had you had three presidents in Pennsylvania campaigning over the weekend. Biden went with Obama to campaign for the Democratic candidate. Trump then, not far away, was at a was at a rally for his endorsed Republican candidate. So the two men, and they're probably the most high-profile men standing for election this time, are 53-year-old Democrat John Fetterman. Quite an intriguing character, six foot eight inches, Harvard graduate, uh, became a small town, a small town mayor, and he kind of little bit eccentric, likes to yeah. dress in casual attire. You know, right. no jeans or no suit for him. You know, he'll 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 be fine in a tracksuit bottom. But he actually suffered a stroke a number of months ago. Mm. Now he's since he has since recovered, but his opponent, a celebrity doctor called Mehmet Oz, who used to appear on the Oprah Winfrey Winfrey show, has repeatedly and consistently attacked him due to the state of his health. You know, Oz Oz maintains that he's not fit to stand for office and it seems to be chiming with voters. I think voters have reservations about Fetterman. Right, it's fairly ruthless, isn't it? It's fairly ruthless, but this is how these things go in the US. You know, it can get quite dirty, you know, at times. Dirty tricks being played. What about a bit more about Oz then? There's a relationship with Trump there, is there? There is a relationship with Trump. Yeah, he's positioned himself as a a Trump loyalist and Trump has endorsed him. And I suppose that is one one of the other subplots to this entire election. 
you know, if Donald Trump's candidates do well, it will almost certainly energise him. Now, personally speaking, I think regardless of how his candidates perform, Trump will will run the 2024 presidential election. I mean, sources from the New York Times and the Washington Post have all indicated November 14th, which is what, this day week, he's due to make an announcement. Now, he's also supposed to appear uh, before the US Congressional Committee on that day, but I mean, he's probably busy, you know, uh, <laughs> making his announcement and that. I think so. Well, he did indicate in the speech he gave, was it last week? It was last week last in week. Iowa, yeah, yeah. And, and he kind of, you know, uh, he, he made another reference to it in Pennsylvania over the weekend, so it looks all but certain, but I mean, certainly if his candidates perform well tomorrow, it will supercharge him, it will right. energise him ahead of that uh, ahead of that race. Uh, can we move to Ohio then? Yeah, mm. the 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 very definition of a swing state. Mm. You know, if you want to become the US president, really and truly, you have to win Ohio. But this year, it's playing host to an intriguing electoral battle between two candidates for for the Senate. On the Democratic side is a 49-year-old called Tim Ryan. Mm. Now, he served 10 terms in the House. So, you know, quite a quite an accomplished political operator, but he now wants to move to the Senate. He is up against another eccentric figure, 38-year-old Republican J.D. Vance. Now, people might be familiar with him. He was a venture capitalist investor, essentially a, a big-time investor, who achieved widespread fame for his book called Hillbilly Elegy. And that was sur- subsequently turned into a Netflix yeah. film. People, I haven't seen it. Apparently, it's quite good. But the, the really intriguing thing about this, the almost puzzling thing about this, is that Vance is a former never-Trumper, a staunch, staunch opponent of Donald Trump in the past who has switched his allegiances in recent times. He's now a dedicated Trump supporter. God so, you know, that's another fascinating subplot. Why he, why he chose to endorse Trump, I'm not sure. Did he feel it would, it would give him the best chances electorally? Probably. But he really is an intriguing character. He's slightly ahead of Ryan in the polls at the mm. moment. But that battle is set to go down to the absolute if, wire. If people are thinking they may have heard of Ryan uh, a bit over the time, he, he did go as a candidate, didn't he? Yeah, he stood as an independent yeah. presidential candidate in, in 2020, which, you know, I could hardly remember him. But the Democratic Party have since poached him. Clearly, as I say, 10 terms uh, in the Senate. Clearly an experienced political mm. operator. He knows what he's doing. And the fact that the Republicans have poached him, maybe you're thinking they're future presidential candidate, perhaps. Not in 2024, but maybe further down the line. What what are the issues, Thomas? I mean, what what are the big issues? Yeah, so the campaigning has been dominated by, I suppose, a lot of the issues which you would expect. Inflation, the rising cost of living, the state of the US economy overall. But there are a number of other things playing on the minds of voters. And as a result of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade the abortion ruling during the summer, that has actually energised the Democratic Party. They've chosen to focus that issue, chosen to kind of frame their campaigns around protect, protecting reproductive health care, protecting reproductive rights. And it has actually probably benefited them electorally. Now, the Republicans, on the other hand, have been focused on the big economic issues, things like tackling China, other things like that. Democrats, though, at the same time, are looking at things such as gun control, voting rights, and that is one thing to to finally note. Voting rights are a big thing in this election campaign. There has never been as much interest in who is elected Secretary uh, of State for their respective states. Why, you might ask? 
because the Secretary of State is responsible for certifying election results and following everything that happened in 2020 and following Trump's claims and everything, that has added significance nowadays. This is very interesting indeed. Is this an opportunity to vote for um, the governor? Yeah, the there are there are a number of governors up for or, uh, gubernatorial races, as they call them. There are municipal and local elections as well. So there is a massive, massive array of candidates standing for election. It's a big day in the US right. tomorrow. And we've seen a lot of mail-in voting already. Now, Trump hasn't been happy with that. But certain yeah. states really have embraced that. By tomorrow evening, I would say, when the when the exit polls first start to emerge, I would say to listeners, you know, keep an eye on those Senate races right. that, because if the Republicans take the Senate, it uh, could be a major dent to Joe and, Biden. And I was just going to say to you, so, and, and that looks kind of likely, doesn't it? It looks kind of likely, okay. you know. So what will that do? to Joe Biden. Well, like, it's important to note, Joe Biden has had a number of big legislative successes over the past, you know, two years. He's passed a number of big spending bills and if Republicans take control of the Senate, doing things like that, measures such as that will be far more difficult, if not impossible. So it, it will shape the rest of his presidency mm. it will shape how it will shape how congress operates and it will actually impact upon the day-to-day lives of americans because if the republicans are in control as i mentioned they'll focus on on specific issues if the democrats are in control their agenda will be slightly different so this is a really really it's big very, impact very on on daily life is climate change playing any part in the conversation well it is from a democratic perspective yeah. and obviously we have you know uh, the cop 27 yeah. in in Sharm el Sheikh taking or kicking off this week from a democratic perspective it certainly is and from Joe Biden's perspective but then on the Republican side there are yeah. still a lot of skeptics there not all of them it should be said not all of them some many have acknowledged the need uh, to tackle uh, to you know for radical climate action and we sh- we should note that but certainly it is more uh, in the Democratic line to, to talk about those issues. Very interesting. Now, a guy, big news indeed for the last while, Mr. Elon Musk. He has finally completed that uh, takeover of Twitter. Where are we now with that? Finally, yeah. yeah. $44 billion it cost him. Uh, it set him back, if you could put it that way. And it was after months of kind of lengthy deliberation, self-procrastination, mm-hmm. Would he purchase it? Would he not? He tried to get out of it. He tried to get out yeah. of it. He stepped back and and then I think Twitter launched a legal case and he eventually decided to purchase the company. And we've had a succession of events over the course of the weekend. <laughs> a lot of Twitter employees, particularly in this country, have effectively lost their jobs now and your heart would go out to him. And I think that just I think that just captured an element of Elon Musk that we often forget. You know, he's considered a pioneering technological genius. He's kind of a futuristic, a space fanatic, and mm. he is. But he's also a cutthroat businessman. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is ruthless, ruthless, and he would not yeah, have yeah. got to where he is. Who, or, who is he, or what is he? Yeah, so really interesting upbringing. Born in Pretoria in South Africa in 1971, he grew up there in the South African capital with his two siblings and his parents. And by his own admission, and I watched a documentary on this quite recently on BBC, he did not have a happy childhood. No. You know, he had quite a distressing and difficult childhood, subjected to various forms of domestic abuse at home by his father, a torrid time in school. In one instance, he was actually pushed down the stairs. He was bullied incessantly and he was pushed down the stairs 
and had to spend se- several weeks in hospital uh, as a result. So really, really difficult. He was your quintessential nerd, though, yeah, wasn't he? He was like that, and he exhibited, though, you know, he yeah. exhibited that intellectual talent from a yes. very early age. But he couldn't, you know, he couldn't do enough to get out of South Africa. And eventually, at the age of 17, he did. He departed for Canada. His mother had Canadian citizenship. And it was there that he attended university, Queen's University. He would later attend the University of Pennsylvania, earned a degree in economics and physics. Makes sense when you Mm, consider where his business interests lie. And he then moved to California to study at Stanford, but decided to pursue a business career instead. So, you know, we, we often hear about these tech genius, the likes of Bill Gates, uh, Mark Zuckerberg leaving university. He was going to attend Stanford, but instead he decided he would, you know, he would throw his lot into business and he was eye-wateringly successful. Yeah. So his first web software company, Zip2, it was eventually sold for $307 million. He then went on to stub- establish what's known as a unicorn. Now, a unicorn is a startup company. This is the Silicon Valley, the tech jargon. A unicorn is a startup company which is valued at over $1 billion. And we would come to know that as PayPal, that eventually it eventually um, evolved into PayPal. So prodigious from an early age. Yeah. That led him into, I suppose, his, his signature, uh, his signature mm. companies. In 2002, he made his, foray into, his first foray into space exploration, created SpaceX, an aerospace manufacturer, and he was among the first to invest in a new electric car venture known as Tesla. And of course, we're all very familiar with his story since both have become quite mm. successful. Now, didn't have an easy ride. You know, electric cars were, were far less popular 20 yeah, years ago. For sure. They were almost non-existent 20 years ago. So there were mm. plenty of bumps in the road. But you, you, the guy you described, extremely ruthless, extremely successful businessman, when did ever got his interested in... A platform that is losing money anyway and probably have seen its best years behind it. Yeah, you see, he seems to have kind of painted himself as a global do-gooder. You know, he right. um, you know, he, he wants to... He's clearly intent on changing the world and in many ways he has. And that is his, his attraction to Twitter. He sees it as a forum of, of free speech, a forum for the global community to interact and was ver- has been very unhappy with Twitter's moderation policies. Yes. The big question, of course... It's still looming. Will he reinstate Donald Trump to the platform? And will and if so, will Trump return? Uh, do, you, do you think he will? Because he's come out and said that he wasn't going to make any changes like that for the moment. Yeah, he's been a bit ambiguous yeah. on that issue. A little bit ambiguous. And and I think with all that's happened over the past over the past weekend, it probably isn't mm. at the forefront of his mind. He he's focused on making the company profitable again. But when you talk about profit, you know, he's the richest man in the world. He has a net worth of $219.3 billion, according to Forbes. Unbelievable. And that's a good distance above the number second. Number two is a French businessman called Bernard Arnault, $150 billion. And Jeff Bezos, 138 billion. Frank Curry is there, I think, fifth. <laughs> just, just there, right. There, thereabouts, as they say. Did he, by his own admission, is he on the the autistic spectrum? Yeah, I, I think I think he admi- he has admitted to that. Yeah. Like you know, I mean, he's an idiosyncratic, idiosyncratic character yes. anyway. But he has admitted to to being on the uh, the very, autistic very spectrum. He's also, and we should note this, he has a tireless work ethic. You know, yeah. uh, and I saw it in that documentary. I'd recommend. I can't remember the name, but but. 
I recommend people to look it up. You know, works incredibly hard, which is, I suppose, is the way with many of these successful isn't business it, people. Isn't it indeed? Uh, oh, I want to fit in this. I want to make time for this because it has to be one of the great political comebacks. I'm thinking of Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, will you tell us about this? Yeah, another political comeback. No sooner had, had Lula stormed back yes. to the presidency in Brazil than, than Netanyahu had pulled off a comeback of his own. 73-year-old right-wing politician. He's still currently on trial for alleged bribery, for fraud for breach of trust, but it clearly didn't damage his appeal to, to the Israeli electorate, that's mm. for sure. He's going to form a government, essentially his own party, Likud, uh, are going to coalesce with a, an ultra-nationalist right-wing party called Religious Zionism, which is, you know, mm. it, it's an interesting marriage there. So what can we expect then, a very nationalist view, for instance, particularly where Palestine is concerned? Yeah, we, all you have to lose really is look back at the history and look at how Netanyahu has performed. Yeah. We had, prior to, uh, prior to last week, we had a unity government which had been assembled by the, the former Prime Minister, the caretaker Prime Minister, Yair Lapid. It was kind of a, a diverse constellation of eight different mm. political parties, so a multitude of different different political And was parties. there a consensus from that government about a kind of a two-state, so, which is what the Americans... There was. Like, they approached that. Now, they could agree on very little. It's worth saying that. At times, it seemed the only thing they had in agreement was their opposition to Netanyahu. But they did take a softer stance towards Israel-Palestine. Uh, they endorsed the notion of a two-state solution. Mm. They also improved relations with other Arab states. And it will be particularly interesting to see if Netanyahu maintains that approach right. because there are economic benefits to that. Trump comes into all of our conversations and there is He's a good everywhere. relationship there, isn't there, with Netanyahu? Yeah, he, he gets on quite well with Trump and yeah. he will be hoping that Trump does well. You know, he had quite a poor relationship with Barack Obama. Uh, he rebuked Barack Obama yeah. in front of the US Congress a couple of years ago, much to Obama's disdain. So, you know, his, his relations on the world stage are... You know, he he warms towards certain figures like Trump, which kind of makes sense. Erdogan maybe in Turkey. Yes. Uh, you can see the kind of the the kind of politician that he is, but he is hugely charismatic and he has the common touch. If you watch him operate, that is very very evident. He's a gifted politician. It'd be very interesting indeed. Um, what should we be looking out for? A cop is the big thing. I yeah. Well, Tishok Mio Martin flying to Egypt to Sharm El Sheikh this morning. He's yeah. going to meet with you know with with climate delegates there. It's going to be very interesting, and I'll talk about it a little bit more next week. Yeah. Like it's billed as a last chance saloon. Now there are various different you know, proposals and theories, whether we will get substantive policy progress mm. remains to be seen. But there's already huge argument, isn't there? It was delayed, in fact, because... There's already something. huge argument. Yeah. And, you know, the prospect of limiting global temperature increases to 1.5 degrees Celsius, I've read a lot of pieces saying that that is just unattainable yeah. now. Now, it's, that's not saying there isn't a radical need for climate action. We know we all need to do our best but we may have to moderate our goals and I think that will feature in the discussions in Egypt over the course of the next two weeks. It's going to be very interesting. And of course, the other big discussion is that the poorest countries paying the price for the emissions caused by the richest companies. And the, well, uh, that is it, exactly. Yeah. And particularly island coastal states, you know, are in serious jeopardy. Absolutely, for sure. The migration crisis yeah, as well. Yeah, it's a little bit sad to see this story emerge it, yeah. again, but it, it is, you know, it is emerging in Europe we're seeing arrivals peak uh, at a level not seen since the, the heights of the migration crisis in 2015, which is a very, very worrying situation. You know, certain countries' processing systems are under serious strain. 
EU politicians and dis- diplomats are scrambling desperately to address the situation. So it really is quite worrying. In recent times, we've been hearing an awful lot about how Germany were so reliant on Russia. But I was interested to read in your notes uh, that they have quite a reliance on China as well. Quite a reliance on China. And Chancellor Olaf Scholz was in Beijing last week with President Xi Jinping. And many in Europe, many European politicians ha- have been watching and observing this situation with a little bit of caution um, and a little bit of scepticism because Germany is hugely reliant on China as a source of inputs, uh, imports. And the worry there is that they will repeat the mistakes that they made in relation in Russia. to Russia in the yeah. context of energy. So you have to look at, I mean, Angela Merkel, obviously an incredible politician, but there were definitely policy mistakes in the German government over the course of the past decade, how they became so reliant on Russia on the one hand, on mm. China on the other. And now it's all coming home to And roots. now it's all coming home. And now it's all coming home. So yes. tough times ahead for, Ch- T- for Schultz. Tough times ahead indeed. So you will look at COP27 for his next uh, next. I will out, indeed. Thomas, all right. Really good to talk to you, Thomas, as always. Thanks, Thank Fran. you very much indeed. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Welcome along to the final hour of Tip Today, 1800-938-007. John sent me a picture of wasps and he says good morning Fran. I have lots of wasps in November and it's strange that you say that John but at home we're plagued with them as well and I presume that's very unusual for this time of year is it um, but certainly so it's not just us and uh, thanks for that John um, let me see Pat was on to us to say Trump denies climate change and has 54% of Republicans supporting this as well and that's making reference to my conversation with uh, Thomas Conway as well um, uh, somebody else saying uh, Fran what about all these know-it-alls talking about climate change what have they done to save the planet um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we should be more specific when we're talking about climate change to ask, uh, what have you done? But I'm trying to think what I've done about it. And I suppose, in fairness, if I'm to be totally honest with you, uh, probably very, very little indeed. Uh, Anne spoke to us in uh, the first hour of the show this morning. Of course, we're on air with you every morning from nine, every weekday morning. And she spoke to us in the first hour to give us her view on the ongoing saga involving Father Sheehy's fire and brimstone homily in Listole, and that's off the back of my own interview with him uh, last Friday. Here's a little of what Anne had to say just after nine this morning. Forget about the Catholic Church. Catholic Church is nearly over, Fred. Do you think so, Anne? Oh, my God almighty, Dan. They're only making it worse for themselves, like. Yeah. Do you know, I mean, our teachings were so different back in the day, do you know? And, and I remember missioners coming to, to, to the Church of Oven Tour, and they'd Literally, and they were actually doing it. They were actually beating the pulpit. They were, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Banging it and shouting and screaming at people. Yeah, the missions, yeah. Yes. And they, and then they'd go away and you you were supposed to accept everything they said like. But should they go away and we'd all be running to confession then to try and sort of Look, at I went gain to salvation? In Dublin one time and it was a month since I'd been to confession and the priest attacked me and I said a month. He attacked you? He attacked me. How dare I leave it that long? How dare I? And I, I, I was about 15. So, and I walked out. I just stood up and walked out and left him there. You know. 
My God. And what about, what about the way that women have been treated in the church, Anne? Do you feel Actually, strongly about that? Treated, I, do you know something? The church, to me, is only a, oh, it's just only a, a gimmick, really, for, for money. It's all money with them. And they've treated women like, like lepers. And that was Anne speaking to me this morning just after nine o'clock. It's time for this. Tip FM's Match 3 game. Tip FM's Match 3 game. With Stakelum's Home and Hardware and expert electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurless. Stakelum's.ie. Oh, the excitement, the excitement. Let's go to the phones and Siobhan Ha is with me from Bursa Kane. Good morning to you, Siobhan. Morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. How are you doing this morning? Not too bad at all. Okay, are you enjoying the wonderful weather? Oh, it's fabulous, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it just? Well, I was speaking to Antonio uh, later uh, earlier on in the show and she was telling me we should embrace this. We should go out walking in the rain and wind and stuff. What would you make of that? Not in the rain anyway. <laughs> Not in the rain anyway, indeed. All right then. Well, you know what you have to do at this point. You have to I match do. match three and you can begin by uh, picking a number for me between one and ninety. Uh, number 12, please. Number 12. OK, let's open the box and see what happens. Now, number 12 is a DeLonghi oil-fired radiator to the value of €129.99. So that's a nice prize, isn't it? It is. All right, so you get to uh, pick another number for me now. Uh, number 3, please. Number 3. All right, let's open that box. And sadly, you don't have a match because number three is a Remington Heritage Foil Shaver to the value of €129. Again, so commiseration to you. But just to help other people out, would you pick a third box for me? I will. Uh, Number 16. Number 16. Let's open that one. And number 16 is a Sennheiser Momentum uh, set of headphones to the value of just under €200. Euros. So again, it's a nice prize. So Siobhan, commiserations to you. Would you like to say hello to somebody as you're on? I oh, just everybody that owes me that song. All right, well, keep playing, Siobhan, won't you? I will indeed. Thanks All right, bye-bye million. to you now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Tip FM's Match 3 game. Unwrap an early Christmas present from Stakelum's Home and Hardware and Stakelum's Expert Electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurless. Shop online at stakelums.ie. Match 3, win the prize. Oh, it's a terrific competition indeed. I know people are out there with the pencil and the writing down stuff and the keeping track of uh, the numbers and all of that. And sure, fair play to you. Why wouldn't you? If you need that first cup of coffee to gear up for the day, think again because a gut expert has warned that drinking coffee in an empty tummy can have undesirable impacts on your health. Uh, Olivia Headland, the functional nutritional therapist behind Living Well, said that caffeine can cause issues for your gut gut. Now, the US nutritionist explained the coffee is acidic, which on an empty tummy can make your body go into a high stress mode. Well, Tara O'Neill is a nutritionist with Progressive Health in Thurless and joins me now. Tara, good morning to you. Oh, good morning, Fran. I'm a bit of a sort of a coffeeholic, um, Tara, if there is such a thing. Um, so this has scared me. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, no need to be uh, too fearful of the news. I suppose it all needs to be put in perspective, doesn't it? And mm. I think everybody um, is different and we all have different ways of uh, of processing our coffee and we have different, you know, health issues and levels of health, I suppose. Uh, so I suppose the reference to, uh, you know, the acidity in the stomach is really to do with... Um, 
you know, coffee is acidic and mm-hmm. I suppose first thing in the morning, if we're adding acid on acid, then for people who do have any gut issues, that could be uh, a source of irritation to the stomach for mm-hmm. our, you know, and to the gut as well. And I suppose also uh, coffee is a laxative, um, so you can, you can see where that could lead okay. to as well, yeah. if there are any issues there. Oh, um, isn't that but she's also saying that it can put us into a high-stress mode. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose, again, that is for people who are in a stressed state, um, whether it be emotional or physical. I suppose when we wake up in the morning, we already have certain hormones that are at a high level and they're the ones that get us up out of bed. And, mm. you know, we have the adrenaline, the fight or flight hormone as well. That, um, oh, I see. Can, and you add coffee to that then? Yeah. So, well, coffee is a stimulant. So as a stimulant, it speeds up messages from the brain to the body. So we're further adding more stimulation on top of the hormones. And if a person is in, a, in an already, you know, stressed state, then that could lead to further issues, you know, from the point of view that we, we may remain in a fight or flight response for the rest of the day, um, which can lead to, you know, it'll show up in other ways in our health. Right. And I suppose we might be anxious or irritable even, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Again, for, for people, there are different things going on. Mm. Um, you might even have had a, a good night's sleep or, you know, there could be something going on in, in your life, whether it's work or whether it's emotional or whether it's physical uh, stress. There's lots of different things for different people. So mm. uh, that's really the reference to the, you know, the, uh, the I was also there. interested to read, Tara, that there could be a link with acne and with other skin issues. Yeah, I I suppose the, re- the the connection there really with regards to coffee could be hormones again if we're, um, you know, kicking the balance, the natural balance of hormones out of kilter, then that could lead to, yeah, skin issues. And then if you think of the types of coffees that we drink nowadays, mm. you know, there's the cappuccinos yeah. and the lattes. So you, like in a cappuccino, you're taking maybe a third shot of a third of the cup might be coffee and then you're adding two thirds of milk to it. And I suppose milk would be acidic as well and would be implicated in acne. So that's possibly, uh, you know, another connection there. The danger is that, you know, those of us who drink coffee early in the mornings, we might see something in this and maybe stop immediately. Now that can lead to other issues, Candy, because I remember trying to kick coffee at one stage and I had headaches and all sorts of reactions to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for some people, lots of people have different uh, reactions to coffee. I mean, for some people, it can make them feel really alert and productive in the morning. For some, it can have the opposite effect and leave you feeling jittery and anxious mm-hmm. and unable to focus. So there's there's the good part and the good side and the bad side for, you know, for, as I said, for different people have different reactions. Um, but for people who are trying to kick it, yeah, you will have headaches because, Coffee is as said as we said is a stimulant mm. and it is it has an addictive nature to it also. So if you are overdosing on it as you begin to withdraw from it, you can experience headaches. Is the way around it, Tara, to eat properly before you have your coffee, if you know what I mean? Absolutely, of course there is. Um I suppose the first thing in the morning our first meal is breakfast. As they say, it's breakfast mm. comes from the word break fast. So you're breaking your fast. So it's a really good idea 
to have a good wholesome breakfast of the first thing in the morning uh, rather than go straight for the coffee. Again, that is if you are a person who is experienced and, you know, a city... Mm in the stomach or um, if you are a stressed out individual or going through a you know a particularly difficult uh, time so yeah having a good breakfast in the morning something like you know good wholesome breakfast um, with berries you know porridge uh, whatever it is that uh, gets you going in the morning mm. we're, we're obsessed with coffee though aren't we you know I mean even you go into a normal home now and they have a, a fancy coffee <laughs> machine and it's all lethal stuff and all of that that can't all be good for us if we're drinking huge amounts of really strong coffee I guess um, yeah I suppose like everything is uh, things in moderation yeah, um, too much yeah. of anything is a bad thing and you know I think it's wonderful what's happening even in we see in Tipperary and all the villages and towns there's coffee shops popping yeah. up and it is a lovely place for people to meet and come out and have a, a, a chat, you know, out with the, outside of their own home. So, um, and lots of things happening in houses mm. as well with mm. nice coffee machines, people visiting each other. I suppose it's, it's again, it's about moderation. And you know, if you're having a, a lovely cup of brew in the morning, there's nothing like it. And you know, the good news about coffee is there is lots of benefits as well. I mean, it's high in um, antioxidants. Um, it's a boost for you know fat burning mm. and weight mm. loss. It can increase blood flow to the brain, as we said. It can really help with focus for people. And there's no sugar or carbs and very little calories in black coffee anyway. Mm. So that's the good news about coffee. Well, I'm delighted to hear that because my my coffee of choice is a, an old Americano, um, even though I still insist on calling it a black coffee and I keep being corrected every morning, but but there you go. It's interesting, just finally, Tara, could I talk to you about uh, breakfast because you were on about it being break, break fast and, uh, you know, a lot of the, the diets nowadays tell us, you know, about uh, depriving ourselves of breakfast, in fact, and sort of starving ourselves, I suppose, for maybe 12 or 14 hours of the like. I wonder, as a nutritionist, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's very effective. Um, again, it has to be used, I suppose, with, you know, the right advice. Um, it doesn't really suit everybody, mm. um, but it is very effective again in the morning uh, not to, to have breakfast or to delay breakfast. And actually, one of the things when you are doing it, we would refer to it as intermittent fasting. Mm. Um, one of the um, things that you can have while you're while you're going through that fast is that black coffee or water, the two drinks that you can can oh, take yeah. um but yeah it can be very effective um but again it's it's it, it needs to be uh carefully um you know implemented um i'm supposed the worst thing that could happen is you're not having breakfast and you're not getting enough calories you know other things can show up mm. um if you're not managing the intermittent fasting program correctly very good so you'd need to talk to somebody like yourself obviously to get a, a proper plan around it i guess tara yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Progressive Health. What What are you doing in in Thurles? You have a Do you have a a shop there? Or? Yeah. Well, I'm actually a, a nutritional therapist, mm-hmm. and I work out of uh, the lovely health store Health and Harmony in Thurles. Mm-hmm. And I uh, practice naturopathic nutrition, so it is um, using the benefits of therapeutic and healing foods to promote good health. So my focus is really on um, good food, uh, diet and lifestyle and movement are sort of the areas that I focus on, as I said, to um, to get people feeling the best of their health. And that's what we all need for sure. Tara, lovely to talk to you today and thank you very much indeed. Thank you for talking to me. Good Thanks morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's Tara O'Neill there.
uh, speaking to us this morning about that uh, recent uh, study about coffee. Uh, tell me about your coffee uh, habits. What do you like? Do you drink three or four cups a day? Do you drink one? Do you hate coffee? Are you a tea person? Uh, funnily enough, I drink coffee when I'm out, but I never, ever, ever drink coffee at home. I always drink strong tea, and I can drink lots of it as well. So I wonder how do you feel about that? Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now it's time for our weekend sports review. Glad to be joined in the studio by our sports editor, Paul Carroll. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, Fran. Hurtings. Um, three Tipperary hurling teams in Monster Club. Hurling action over the weekend, Paul. Yeah, have to begin with uh, Killerone McDonough's. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're beaten yesterday in the Munster Senior Hurling quarterfinal come up against just a formidable Bally Gunner side they've won nine Waterford County titles in a row and they're the reigning All-Ireland Club Champions so it was always going to be a tough test and uh, it finished up Bally Gunner 420 Killer 1 McDonough's 13 points so that ends their season a great season for Killer 1 winning their first county final in, in uh, 37 years great journey last Sunday yeah. week and a great journey for them yeah so yeah, Bally Gunner they're just something else they just have so many top class hurlers and they had a, a young lad they were playing I think he's he was minor last year which is under 17 so he's he's only 18 at a maximum but he scored 1-4 from play I think he'd won 3 in the first wow. half and they were saying that last year he was in training with the Ballygunner team and if he was eligible he would have been playing and he was only 17 they said he was like dominating in training and like to think that a 17 year old is dominating in training in any club in the country you'd say geez, he must be very good but to be doing it at the All-Ireland Club Champions you know, that will tell you so Patrick Fitzgerald is a, a name wow. to be looking out for but um, yeah elsewhere over the weekend Ross Gray were successful in their uh, Munster Intermediate hurling quarter-final they beat uh, Waterford side Bally Sagart 421 to 15 points that was in Semple Stadium uh, the Ross Gray goals came from Luke Cashin Sam Connan Connor Sheedy and Shane Fletcher and uh, Jason Gilmartin got a red card for them in injury time they're only two points up at half time and then they scored something like 2-5 in the first nine minutes of the second half so that pushed them on to victory so they're going to be playing uh, Cork's Inniscara in uh, two weeks time in the semi-final there uh, the other Tipperary team in action then were Grange Mokler Bally Neal they were beaten by uh, Bally Giblin in the Munster Junior Hurling quarter-final that was on Saturday they lost 2-10 to 11 points in Semple Stadium so uh, they were finished for the year then more locally I suppose here in Tipperary um, GA over the weekend Thurla Sarsfields won the County Junior B Hurling final on Sunday they beat Solahead 3-15 to 1-16 and that's uh, Thurla Sarsfields fourth adult team so it's incredible the kind of depth they chance, have yeah. there uh, in Thurlis and then uh, the under 19A County Hurling final that was on yesterday Holy Cross Bally Cal they beat St Mary's 121 to 16 points to win the uh, yeah under 19A County Hurling final Let's go to ladies football and uh, Johnny Luby is always being scolded for not making enough of Mulnahone so will you do so now please? <laughs> You'll have to stay talking about them yeah they're the Munster Intermediate Ladies Football Champions they won it on uh, yesterday they beat, they beat uh, Limerick side Fran we weren't sure was it Monagea no. or Monagay, but I'll go with whatever you say <laughs> We'll say Monagay. they bet them anyway 2-4 to 7 points and the goals came from uh, Lorraine O'Shea and uh, the goalkeeper actually Alice Browning came up and took a penalty and scored it so a three point win for them they were the Munster Junior Football Champions last year they went all the way to the All-Ireland Final 
and uh, now they're the Munster Intermediate Champions and uh, we'd love to see them go on a, a similar uh, run this yeah. year back to a final maybe wouldn't we Justin Camogie then Drum and Inch Paul yeah Drum and Inch they're into the Munster Senior Camogie final they won their semi-final on Saturday they are away to uh, De La Salle who were actually managed by John Milan former Watford uh, herder of mm. course and uh, it was a tough game it went to extra time it finished 111 to 14 points um, Drum with the 111 and uh, De La Salle with 14 points after normal time so it went to extra time and luckily enough in the first half of extra time uh, goals from Neve Long and Joanne Ryan um, kind of pushed Drum out in front so they ended up winning 314 to 18 points there so they go into a Munster final now and that's going to be uh, this Sunday coming uh, they're playing Scarif Gunlow, who they played in last year's Munster final and they lost by a point that day so they'll be looking for revenge that's at 2pm uh, next Sunday in Mallow um, then Bursley, they were beaten unfortunately in the Munster Intermediate Camogie semi-final over the weekend they lost to uh, this is another tough one from Ahabalog I think it's pronounced of Cork um, they lost on a final score of 1-4 to 5 points so uh, a good year uh, ends on a, on a bit of a bad note for Bursley but they'll be happy to uh, going to be a senior Camogie team in tip next year I'm sure and uh, to rugby to rugby, yeah, they're last uh, the week before um, the weekend just gone. They're all three Tipperary teams were beaten in the AIL, so it was the complete reverse of that this weekend. Uh, three wins for Nina Ormond, Cashel, and Clonmel over the weekend. In Division 2A, Nina Ormond, they beat Corkside Dolphin 27 points to 15 at home, whilst Cashel were 27 points to nil winners over Ballymena. Then in Division 2C, Clanmel beat Banger 33 points to 12. So good results all around for the tip teams. Absolutely. To Australian rules then and the Tipperary connection. Yeah, Orlo Dwyer's Brisbane Lions. They're into the final four of the women's AFL, the AFLW. Uh, they won their qualifying final on Saturday against Richmond, 39 points to 22. Uh, that means they have a bye this weekend and they're into the preliminary final in two weeks' time. So that's basically a semi-final. They have an interesting kind of... a. A format I suppose of, of knockout um, football over there so the top 8 teams they're broken into 2 the top 4 and then the 5, 6, 7, 8 first plays 4th and if you win that you get a bye into the, straight into a semi-final oh. and if you lose that you get another go against the teams that won from the other bracket so if you had it down in front of you it's easy to you understand I, I'm not going to be the best at explaining <laughs> it but uh, nonetheless they're into basically a semi-final anyway Orlo Dwyer's Brisbane Lions two weeks time Very good um, Let's have a look ahead then uh, GAA first of all Yeah lots to look forward to this uh, week coming we've Clamel Commercials they're in the Munster Senior Football quarterfinal next Saturday that's on in uh, Parky Cueve next Saturday evening at quarter past seven, they're up against Cork champions Nemo Rangers, and that game will be live here on Tip FM. Uh, there's also Thurla Sarsfields there in Munster Junior Football action on Saturday. They take on Liz Canner of Clare in Milltown Malbay at quarter past one on Saturday. Then here in Tipperary, under 19B County Hurling semi final next Saturday, that's Kappa White Gales. They consist of Kappa White and Sullahead. They're against Oberchurch Drumban in Borland at half past one. And then uh, in the midweek, under 16.5A hurling, it's the Dean Ryan Cup final. So this is schools, Arsco Reach of Limerick. They're up against Thurless CBS. That's on in Nina in Wednesday at half past one. And then uh, high school Clanmel are in the Corny Vwiri on Wednesday. They're against Corkside Clausha uh, Creestry. So that's at half past one. Couldn't find a venue for that, but I'm sure we will have one uh, before the game on Wednesday anyway. And uh, in Camogie, as I say, Drum and Inch in action again. Yeah, Drum and Inch up against, uh, against Scarif Gunlow again in the Munster Senior Camogie final. So just a reminder, that's on Sunday in Mallow at uh, two o'clock. Mm, okay, and what can we expect with uh, rugby? 
So yeah, the three Tipperary teams they're looking to continue their good form in the AIL next Saturday. Uh, Division 2A, we've Cashel away to Dolphin and Nina Ormond are away to Old Crescent of Limerick. Then in Division 2C, Clonmel are up in ba- up in Mayo to play Ballina and uh, all of those games as usual on a Saturday at half past two is the kickoff time. Very good. Just finally to soccer then, what can we expect? Uh, yeah, big game here in Tipperary next Sunday. Two of the kind of best teams um, in the county, Peak Villa and St. Michael's, are up against each other in round three of the Munster Junior Cup. That's at 2pm in Thurless next Sunday. Um, Peak Villa at home there and there's also two other uh, Munster third round uh, Munster Junior Cup third round ties on Sunday it's Peak Villa B against V Rovers and two Malboros against Bansha Celtic so plenty of sport as always to look forward to Fran Mighty stuff and of course extra time this evening just after 7 o'clock with Ronan and the team as well Paul thanks very much indeed we'll take a break with more tip today on the way Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. And uh, welcome back to Tip Today. Listener says, Fran, I'm just back from a walk in the wind and rain and I'm going to have a black coffee now. Well done, Vera. Well done. Well, have something gorgeous with it. And, you know, if anybody gives out, just say Fran said that I could. Uh, Hi, Fran. I saw a documentary lately where there's a wasp called the Winter Wasp that comes out in winters as Billy Fitzgerald I didn't realise that but John sent us on a photograph of the uh, wasps still very active around his home and as I was saying we're rather plagued with them at the moment because they're getting into the house for some reason or other so if anybody can help us uh, about that in terms of should there be wasps this time of year or what's the story is it because the weather has been mild or whatever <laughs> now getting a pet can be absolutely fantastic and dogs are certainly up there with the very best of them and they're loving and they're cuddly and, uh, but part of the ownership dream is that you have this little pal who is your very best friend and your very best mate but what happens if your little four-legged friend is best pals with somebody else even though you own the dog in question. Well, champion dog trainer Samantha Rawson is a canine behaviour and uh, training expert based in Mullinahone. And Samantha joins me now. Good morning, Samantha. I see. Do we have Samantha? We do. Good morning, Samantha. Okay. We don't have her. Let's see if we can uh, get her back there and see uh, what happens where that is concerned. Do you want to share some stories with me about your four-legged friend that you might have thought was your dog and was special to you? And then what happens? Only that uh, somebody else comes along and they pat them a bit more. They Maybe they give them treats secretly and they become the dog's best friend and you're sort of devastated over it. Will you talk to me about that? Have you had that experience? I listen around to say, uh, Fran, what, what did they blame for the ice, ca- the ice Age melting when they had no industries or farmers and... Uh, Everything's uh, happening faster at the moment with everything we use. Can they explain that? It says, well, they they can, seemingly, but I can't explain it to you. But, you know, we've had scientists on over the last while that can certainly um, uh, explain that. Somebody else says, Fran, it's not a case of disagreeing with the priest. They're denying the word of God. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall endure Forever. Thank you for that. Oh, wait, three, three, double one, double three, double one. Samantha's with me. Good morning, Samantha. Good morning, Fran. Can you hear me now? I can hear you perfectly. Good. And thank right. you so much for coming on with us. That notion that, you know, our beautiful little doggy, um, when yeah. we bring him home, he loves somebody else yeah. and we're devastated over Samantha. Is, it, it, does that happen to begin with? It, it, it can happen, but I suppose um, it, that's a bit of a reflection on us if, if we're jealous of 
the dog's relationship to somebody else. <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, I think I think there's probably more going on there. But anyway, back to the dogs. Yes. Um, the, the way to kind of, you know, get a dog to like you or to want to be with you is to do something that it enjoys doing. So if a dog loves to play ball, then maybe you would play ball. Um, but the other really key thing is that, that if it's really an issue in the household and, and it is actually causing a little bit of upset, mm. then what I would say is, listen, when I'm here, can you just ignore the dog? So he doesn't talk to you. He can only talk to me. Right. So I will be the, the main person that could give him everything he wants. Because if a dog is, is, you know, has a couple of people to go to, well, then the dog will choose, okay, well, I prefer you for whatever reason. Um, and that might cause a little bit of jealousy among siblings or, you know, partners or whatever. Yeah, because so, they're, they're smart, Samantha. I mean, they, they, pl- they play us, don't they? They absolutely play us, Fran, yeah. yeah. I mean, dogs are fantastic and they will always know who will give them what they want. Yes. Because, you know, they're, they're very clever that way. So if you want your dog to kind of love you more, then you need to do more for it, that you need to be, the, you know, the, the pleasure palace for that dog. So you throw ball, you give it food, you give it something nice. I mean, you know all those lovely scenes in, in movies and TV shows where the dog is interacting with the actors? Mm. Well, obviously those actors have a bit of liver on them or they have a bit of chicken in their pocket. Do you know what I mean? You're spoiling <laughs> everything now. You're spoiling it all, Samantha. <laughs> so it's not that difficult to win a dog around. But on the, I suppose on the other side of it is that if a dog really isn't interested... Don't take it personally. Dogs will choose who their friends are. Mm. You can you can work to ingratiate them and you can work to make yourself positively associated with them. But, you know, if they if they don't really want to hang out with you, well, then maybe just accept it. And because is it like a relationship between people? I mean, you just can't, you know, guarantee who's going to love you. Absolutely. And the yeah. more you kind of try, yeah. the, the, yeah. you put the you put the animal off. So sometimes people who try to har- too hard to be a friend with the dog, the dog will just go, oh, please, leave me alone. Dogs are much more curious about people who ignore them because they're so not used to being ignored that by actually being ignored, you stand out from the crowd. Isn't, because you're that, not isn't that very interesting indeed? Yeah, you're- we we had a we had a cocker spaniel. Uh, he passed away, but we were absolutely mad about him. But I noticed in the evenings when we'd sit down to watch TV, um, he'd spend X amount of time with me and X amount of time with the others. And he he right. was playing everybody. You know, he yeah. he knew everybody wanted to have him sit on their knee, but he he sort of spread himself around a little bit. So they're very very bright, very intelligent. They're, they're, they're very bright, and and really at the end of the day, they will choose who they want to have a relationship with relationship with and you can't force yourself on a dog if you force yourself on a dog i suppose at worst the dog will ignore you and and despise you and and then if it's really bad the dog will bite you so yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah absolutely um, let the dog come to you but play and and you know providing something nice and positive is the way to win a dog round. but i would also say from a safety point of view in all seriousness keep your hands to yourself don't put your hand out over a dog you don't know or a dog that really doesn't want to be touched, you know, just let them come to you. Um, and I would always pet a dog kind of on the rear end, kind of on their lower back rather than their head. If, that's, if, that's that's very intelligent thing to do. I, and speaking of which, is there a body language that we can look out for with a dog? Abso- yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if they're if they're kind of not looking at you or if they're averting their eyes and they're not looking at you, they don't really want to know. Or if they turn their head sideways, it's a bit like people. Yeah. You know, if they turn their head sideways and, and kind of avoid eye contact, they don't really want to engage. And I suppose the really important 
bit from my point of view as, as a professional is you've got to respect that. People who don't respect dogs' wishes are the people who get bitten. So, so it's about kind of looking where the dog's head is focused, where the dog's ears are, where his tail is. Um, and sometimes dogs that don't have tails or don't have, you know, very good body language like an English bulldog or any of those kind of breeds, they can be very hard to read. So it's really important that you let the dog come to you because sometimes if you can't read a dog and you approach it, you might make matters worse. So it's really important to get the dog, to let the dog come to you and never approach it and certainly never approach a dog if he's lying down on somebody's lap. So if a dog is lying beside somebody on a sofa, do not approach it. So, A great friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, he had two lovely, docile, beautiful dogs that were farm dogs. And they happened to get into a row with each other. He put his leg in to to separate them, even though he had a relationship with these dogs all his life. And they bit him, and bit him very badly. Right, yeah. Yeah, because he got involved. That's a bit like getting involved in a, in a couple's row. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of would, course. Would, yeah. you, would you get involved if there was a couple rowing around? No, no, <laughs> you know? no. So, so unfortunately, he probably wanted to break that fight up, but he got stuck in the middle. So, you know, and again, if you walk away, dogs will tend to stop fighting. Sometimes dogs can fight over the owner. Um, so, so that can be an important point as well in a family dynamic that owners can accidentally cause a row between multiple dogs in a household because they're giving one dog attention in front of the other dog. So if there's yeah. multiple dogs in a household, you kind of ignore everybody. It's incredible. Can I finally ask you, and it was again, it was an issue we had with the dog, but the dog thought he was playing, but he was biting, and he was actually hurting, even though he thought he was playing. Um, where, yeah. does, where does that come from, and can you change that behaviour? Um, well, it comes from puppyhood that puppies will, you know, deliberately bite each other and play and then the other puppy will let the, let the other pup know you hurt me. But if, if a dog accidentally hurts a human in play, the best thing to do is to get up and walk away. So you get up and walk out of the room. You don't say anything. You don't give out to the dog. You don't do anything. You just get up and disengage. So the dog over repeated exposures will go, oh, I seem to have upset my owner because I've done, you know, I've hurt them. So if you say nothing and you immediately just stop playing, the dog will eventually learn to, you know, inhibit its teeth. Sometimes people will say, oh, if you give a scream or if you say, ow, with some dogs that actually hypes them up. So I think that the quickest way for all dogs across the board is just to get up and walk away and show your disapproval by saying, no, I don't engage anymore. Very interesting indeed. Samantha, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you and good morning to you. That's Samantha Rawson there, who's a canine behaviour and training expert. And Samantha's based in Mulnahone. Now it's time for Travel Tales with Fergal. And Fergal O'Keefe joins me in the studio. Good morning to you, Fergal. How's it going? I'm I'm listening to all the people talking about the walking in the rain. And I'm one of those as well, I have to say. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. I prefer walking in the winter than in the summertime, actually. As in, like, you know, it's cooler and temperature-wise, and I just well, love it. They, it does it seem that there's a kind of sense of adventure about it as well. Yeah, you know, and actually, my, my son was away for two weeks in Belgium, transition year, and I picked him up at the airport last night, and we're walking in, and he says, gosh, the air, the air um, tastes different in Ireland, you know? Yeah, <laughs> That was the first yeah. thing he noticed. And, uh, yeah, there is something special about Isn't the there? you yeah. know, fresh air in Ireland, really, in winter particularly. Well, speaking of which, uh, Monster Vales you're going to talk to us about uh, uh, today. I mean, we are we are blessed with it, aren't we? we oh, gosh, we really yeah. are. I mean, we're, we're surrounded by some of the most world-class scenery, some of the best in the world. We're surrounded by the mountains and historical sites. Mm. And, you know, it's funny when you're 
when you're surrounded by these things, sometimes you nearly don't appreciate of them. Course, as, yeah. And recently there was an article, I don't know if you saw it, in the Guardian newspaper a couple of weeks ago. It was about the Sure Blue Way. Mm-hmm. And it was an amazing article. The, the journalist... Yvonne, so positive, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I actually brought her on the Blue Way. Mm-hmm. So it was a cycle. I brought her on the cycle from Carrick to Clonmel. And it's only when you're sort of, you know, you find that when you're bringing guests to your local area, you're kind of so proud of it. Mm. But when I was, you know, every day, I've said it here before, I walk every day bar when it's, actually, I was just thinking the other day, I might get a pair of Wellingtons because <laughs> it isn't actually that deep, the water and the blue way. You know, right. you, can, you can, they're only in patches. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, my yeah, new yeah, project, get a proper pair of Wellingtons. Absolutely, yeah. But I was bringing her on along the blue way from Carrick to here and like, it just, there's so much there between the, the mountains like you're going past and she wrote about it like a, you know you have Sleeve Naman on one side and the Shure the, the Cumbers on the other side you know and then the historical sites and, and it's so full of oh, history just, all the way just amazing can you just define the Munster Vales for yeah, me in terms sure of where, where there's, there's loads of people here that are, are probably listening that you know they're going where, where exactly yeah, is that yeah. so the Munster Vales that, that was a, a tourism marketing initiative set up again something I've talked about before mm. saying the mountains here they're all in different counties and different areas so it was great to see it, the reason why I, I'm talking about it now I suppose is I've, I have a podcast coming out tomorrow <clears throat> Travel Tales with Fergal with uh, Trina O'Mahony from Munster Vales talking all about because it's their fifth anniversary uh, in October it was mm. their fifth anniversary so the Munster Vales it actually takes in four counties Tipperary Waterford Limerick and Cork so it's a huge area and it's five mountain ranges so it's like the, the you know the, the Galtee Mountains the Knockmill Downs the Nagels um, the Cumras mm. um, and Ballyhuras so it's it's sort of the five mountain that's sort of the centre of the place you know mm. and, and I, I just was writing an article there now that'll go into the Nationalist on Wednesday and I was just saying like my favourite drive in Ireland really is like from here over the V to Lismore. Oh, gorgeous, isn't and it? Particularly on, you know, often my kids play lo- like loads of GA matches so often I'm going over there for that direction for on a s- summer's evening. And like, the, you know, it really is the golden veil there, isn't it? And the sun so shining in yeah. the west and the, the mountains. Like every time I'm there, particularly something I've always noticed, like the GA pitches around this area, they all seem to be the most scenic mm. spots. And I'm mm. always standing there watching matches, but also particularly around there, around the V area, like St. Clahine or Knock Me Down Gales play there or wherever. And you're just watching them go in the most beautiful, oh, stunning just, places. Just gorgeous. Yeah, on so Saturday, in fact, I was driving up around uh, Newcastle up towards, uh, there's a place called Dune outside of Newcastle because absolutely stunning. It really nobody is. nobody there. Exactly. <laughs> and I'd recommend to anyone, like the Munster Vales website, is munstervales.com and they have like, you know, great sections about itineraries, just if you're bringing people to this area or even mm. ourselves, kind of daily, like one to five day itineraries. But a great section they have is for walking. So yeah. there's like 11, like 1,100 kilometres of walking trails uh, within wow. this region and if you go in there each of the four mountain or the five mountain ranges you can go into the areas it breaks it down by each mountain range the walks that are on each mountain range fr- from uh, as Trina said like from literally from the beginner 
you know, there's like 1K loop walks to like the the very famous St. Declan's Way five-day walk now. Mm. And, you know, like there's the East Munster Way and loads of those much longer walks as well. Yes. But there is so much from a walk, walking point of view. I heard you earlier on saying you're you're not, you're a couch potato. I am. But, yes. but these will get you out. Like if you, you check this website, you know, there's so yes. many walks there. And like St. Declan's Way, I mean, like this time last year, I was on the yeah. Camino and I mean, loads of people were asking me about it. Like there was a Spanish guide who said like one of his ambitions was like to go on the Camino he's he's, or he's done the Camino but he wanted as he called it the Irish Camino mm. to go and say Declan's Way from like the Rock of Cashel to Ardmore yeah, so there's so and but, obviously the Shore yeah. Blue Way and and also as part of Unser Vales the, the Waterford Greenway is actually part of that and actually in the article uh, Yvonne writes about that she's saying that you know the, there is plans to connect the Shore Blue Way up with the water. Wouldn't that be terrific? Wouldn't that be, and also yeah. Now there, there's work going on. They're calling it the Southeast Greenway, which is, I think, it's from uh, Waterford up to New Ross. So eventually, you'll be able to walk, like say, New Ross to Waterford to Clonmel, and then on to Care. You know, so but wouldn't it be great? And is it most monstervales.com if people want monstervales. to monstervales.com yeah. is the website actually. Very good. Rural tourism development. Uh... Yeah, and you know they recently had Monster Vales to celebrate their fifth anniversary. They had a, a conference there about two weeks ago in uh, the Cashel Palace, which is another massive addition to Absolutely. the area. Yeah. I just saw the other day actually um, the Michelin Guide were tweeting, you know, a dessert from the which is a good sign, I would say, from the Cashel Palace. And so is it possible they'll get I a I think so. A there's star? Talk, well, that's a good sign. And right. I, I think there's talk of it, which would be amazing for this area because actually as Trina was saying about the Cashel Palace, and I've noticed myself, mm. you know, it, it's it's put this area, the whole area, mm. like Tipperary, Munster Vales, on international tourist map because that hotel oh, now yeah. has got international press. And I, I suppose that's why they picked it probably for their, their, their fifth anniversary thing. But they're the bit, of one of the big things they were talking about <laughs> about and it's something that we've talked about before is sustainability in tourism and and what Munster Vales mean by that by sustainability is as well you know from the environmental point of view is from a job point mm, of view mm. and that's the, the great potential this area is for year round to move it from you know seasonal, seasonal work yeah. to year round work wouldn't and that's that be something, great yeah and, yeah. I, and there, there's huge potential and even something as part of this initiative, they, they rebranded Munster Vales with a new logo, but a, a great thing that they've done on the website, great thing to check, they call it the Trails of the Vales, and it's combining sort of the heritage site, the walking sites, but also there's loads of like uh, great for food and also there's great places for, um, you know, like for arts and crafts and things like that in this area, you know, like even in Clamel, mm-hmm. like the narrow space where they support local yeah. businesses. But there's loads, like one particular one that I really like is in Fermoy. They call it um, the Blackwater Craft Centre mm-hmm. and there's like 16 crafts people from around that area like painters potters etc and they share the running of the place so they like have a rota so if you go in there you actually meet the artists or the potter and they 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 manage yeah Yeah. amazing thing and it's all arts and crafts around that area and care have got a craft center as well it's a beautiful one in care yeah yeah. and and from all over this area and and that's the other thing actually about the the monster veils you know we're talking about this beautiful area around here but it goes all the way to loch gur which is amazing place i mean Recently, uh, the Apple Fest, Moncon McGann was at. I was at him at that, and his amazing character. I've had him on the podcast before. Mm. 
and he, he's got a brand new book out now about sort of folklore and he was talking about Loch Gur and the, the history mm. goes back 6,000 years. Like. And not a lot of people know about yeah, Loch Gur. Exactly. It's their Carrick there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I, I was talking to Trina, she's actually yeah. from around that area yeah. and there's a, there's there's um kind of, you know, like an Irish version of Stonehenge, there's mm. old megalithic mm. tombs there. Like so, continuously, one of the few places think they're saying there's continuous human activity back 6,000 wow. years to that area. And there's lots of folklore, which Mon Cohen talks about in his book about that black girl, like fairy stories and witches and things like that. But it's a real mad, there's a place called the Black Fort there as well. And yes. They have a visitor centre. So that's, you know, ama- there's amazing stuff. And then around course, there yeah. as well, Ballyhura. And easy access for people in West Tipperary to, to it, exactly, Gour, of course, exactly. all of that as well. Mountain biking, uh, yeah. is, is that taking off? It's absolutely time, massive, it? massive. It, it's it's a huge, really taken up. And the interesting thing about my, things like mountain biking is that the last time there was a recession in Ireland, it took off even more because people started using bikes and they mm, started, mm. You, know, it, it, you know, once you have the bike, you know, it's free, you're up in the mountains. Yeah. So you, like recently, I'd say about two weeks ago, the Nair drop was on. Which is a, you know it's out there by Bally McCarberry, so lots of people are now. You you see people, loads of cycling around this area is massive on the roads, but it's really getting big now in the mountains. And Ballyhura have bike trails there again, from literally from the beginner to experience like I don't know how many like many many mm. kilometers. I was going trails. to ask you that you don't have to be some sort of an evil Knievel, do you? Not to, at all. It's yeah. all standards and it's brilliant. It's, it's like nearly a bike version of like a ski resort where you can you know there's trails and mm. you can you can go up. You can be brought up to the top of runs and cycle down and you know amazing facilities and there's um even there's there's huts and stuff there that people if they wanted to stay but amazing facilities and i'd say throughout the mountains around this region that's something i could see really growing because internationally that's massive i have a friend who was recently in uh, leger and like the, the the ski lifts, this was in the middle of the summer, and the ski lifts, like those queues, the queues were bigger for the mountain biking than they are even for the skiing. So it's a, it's a, wow. in in the Alps, it's a massive thing tourism wise. So they have tourism all year round. Right, uh, with the way climate change is going and the loss of their snow. Yeah, might, true. Actually, it, good it, point. It, it might be one they'll be looking for. Um, lots of heritage sites as well, um, other than places like Lagor. But I mean, we have Caracas and we've all the usual places. Yeah. But, you know, and you talk about Lismore as well. Yeah, and Lismore yeah. is amazing actually, yeah. you know, like, as I said, like, it's my favourite drive, driving down into Lismore and the castle and the great oh, farmer's market yeah. there, and even going through the gardens I mean, during, you know, like say, usually they open up, they do they do uh, Devonshire Tea Day, you know, at, usually around the March, April time when the gardens start to open up again, that's a great I've thing. I've never been I yeah, must, must they do, do that. that. I'm not familiar with Curragmore House at all. Yeah, so Curragmore, that's, you know, the, the, there's a, a, it's sort of a new equivalent of Electric Picnic. Uh, it's all together now, it's called, it's a music festival. Okay. And that's on there. But th- th- they're amazing grounds that were left to the state. I think there's two and a half thousand kilometres of gardens and wow. they have wall gardens. And, and plant- that's in Waterford, is it? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so if you're going down towards... Um, Dungarvan area around there or more towards Tremor, you know, the back roads to Tremor. Mm. But that's an amazing building with gardens there, like I say, like, and, and they open up to the public, like, at certain time, you know, during the summer or whatever. So I'd really recommend, and a gorgeous old house as well that you can see the outside and stuff. And you were talking so, about uh, Donorail Court. Now, there's a place I pass by all of the time, but I'd never even... Yeah, and, and the state owns up. that yeah. as well, Donorail House. That's been done up at the moment, so yeah. the, people will be able to visit, to, like, a couple of floors of, of the place, but 
that is, you know, that's again, and there's gardens there as well, which is lovely, you know. That's so, great, yeah. Travel Tales, what are podcasts on all of yeah, that, Fergal? So that's coming out tomorrow, Travel Tales, and it's, it's basically on all all podcasting platforms, Travel, if you just look up Travel Tales with Fergal, and tomorrow, it's very personal ones but I'm interviewing Trino Mahoney who is the marketing officer with um, Munster Vale mm. so we talk all about the area around here and actually you know every guest I always ask their happy place like mm. and she picked uh, Carrie's Castle you know oh, did which, she? Yeah, yeah she did yeah. actually which was lovely you know so um, so that's really interesting for people like you know to have a listen about like that so that comes out tomorrow on all podcasting platforms very good yeah I was only up there once and I was just blown away by it it's yeah. so unusual and actually you see loads of cyclists as well around that area uh, uh, absolutely well. yeah hey, can I finally ask you because we were discussing it this morning but COP27 is, is on there's a lot of concern about there about what's happening with uh, climate change. As somebody who's an avid traveller and a, somebody who appreciates the natural world, are you concerned about this? Well, I mean, you can see it now with the, I mean, last week and, and this week with the rain, you know, like, so, like, Europe, you know, we're getting the rain because Europe is so hot. Mm. I mean, actually, mm. as I said, I picked up my son yesterday and he was saying he's wearing shorts up in, in Belgium. For, for like the last two weeks because it was so warm and I'm actually this week I'm going I'll talk about it next time I'm on I'm going down to Andalusia to Granada mm-hmm. and uh, looking at the weather and it's like 25 to 30 degrees now? yeah Wow. Which is nuts, and and we're and because of that hot weather, we're getting the rain here. So yeah, you have to be concerned with it. You know, like we say about global warming. But if if Ireland becomes rain all the time, then that's going to really seriously affect us in all ways, like economically, but say from a tourism perspective, massively. So yeah, we really do have to be. Um, aware of it don't we and and mm. and push but yeah. I, you know i've said it before i do think it has to come personally i think it has to come from the government you know we, we if we individually do things which we should that's not going to make any difference mm. it's mm. drastic measures that are now needed yes. because i was just reading some articles in the last few days saying that Europe is maybe three times worse than every, the rest than of than anywhere else in the world. So, you know, they yeah. keep saying, you know, if it goes up by 1.5 oh, degrees, yeah. but they're saying we're at that now. We're at that now. So, Practically you know. at that now. So it's it, it's scary indeed. Fergal, it's always good to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. That's it for me. Ember produced. Ali looks after our content. Stephen is on the way, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.